Good evening. Today, this week is Parshas Ekev. We're going to learn a mimer we didn't learn yet here. This mimer is kind of a a beer on a mimer we learned already. I don't remember when we learned the other mimer, but I know it's we learned it because I dotted it in my in my Lakuti Torah. I, I make a dot by every mimer that I taught already. So we taught the mimer before this. This is an explanation on that mimer. And it's fascinating in Yanam over here, but let's see if we can understand it. Sif Aleph is kind of okay. Sif Beis is like in the middle. Sif Gimel I didn't even learn. Only quickly glanced. Uh, with the Abishter's help, we'll see how far we go and how this is all going to work out tonight. Okay. Um, this is on page 32 in Lakuti Torah. Um, it, the mimer is a benching mimer. Um, why, why are we talking about benching? Well, this week in the parasha, parasha's Ekev, is the mitzvah of benching. Vachalta v'savata, you will eat and you will become satiated. you will bless God your God, Allah, right? Allah, for the food that He has given you. Um, that that uh, mitzvah is this week. So that's why the Mamarim in in Lakute Torah deal with the mitzvah of Birchas of Birchas Hamazon. Um, now this mimer is going to explore a few things. It focuses on the second blessing on Birchas Hamazon, which is called Birchas Haaretz. We know that benching is made up of four blessings. The first blessing is called Birchas Hamazon, Birchas Hazan, which is the blessing that was, it's for the food that we eat, which the Gemara says really was instituted by Moshe Rabbeinu when the Jewish people got the man. The next blessing was instituted by Joshua, by Yeshua, when the Jewish people came into the land of Israel. Because it's called Birkas Haaretz, the blessing of the land. Which according to the Alter Rebbe, which in a mimer that we learned years ago, he says that um, there is, and he mentions it briefly in this mimer as well, that there's two types of food that we get. One is bread from heaven, that's the man, and the other one is bread from the earth. Lechem in HaShemayim and Lechem in Haaretz. Bread from heaven and bread from earth. We find bread coming from two places. Obviously, it's not just to sustain our physical bodies. Everything has a spiritual meaning to it. So God is sustaining us with two types of nourishment. A nourishment from heaven and a nourishment from earth, which means this can also reflect spiritual nourishment. In order for our souls to be strong, to be able to serve God, we receive two types of sustenance and two types of nutrition from Hashem bread from heaven and bread from earth and we thank God for both these nutrition we, the first blessing we're thanking Hashem for the higher nutrition for the man even though we're not physically receiving and eating man today but spiritually we still receive man a dose of man in our neshama every day and then we also thank God for the lower nourishment which is the aside for the physical food a form of nourishment that allows us to serve God in a more down-to-earth way. There is a one type of service that is a more transcendental service, 
Then there is a primary service and our primary occupation, which is a more down-to-earth service. But in order to be able to serve in that way, God has to nurture us with that food. And that's lechem in aretz. And that's the second blessing. And then finally, there's a third blessing, which is the blessing for when Shlomo, when they built Yerushalayim, they added the next blessing, which is the blessing of on the city of Jerusalem. Rachem Hashem Alokeinu Yisrael HaMecham. Finally, when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, um, after the second temple, they added a fourth blessing, which is the blessing called Hatova Meitav. That constitutes four blessings that make up Benjamin. And then in the end, we add already additions that are not part of benching. They're just extra supplications. We say, harachamon, harachamon. This is all added on later. And that's our benching. Now, the mimer is primarily going to occupy itself with the first two blessings, and primarily the second blessing, which is the blessing of the land. It's going to explain the relevance of that blessing when we don't have a land. Because Eretz Yisrael is not in our hands yet. And today maybe we have a little part of it. We don't have the whole thing. And even if we have the land of Israel now, we don't have the full land spiritually. Meaning the land is there and we don't have yet the Beis Amikdash and all the godly light that's supposed to be in Eretz Yisrael. And we have all the Tsaris from, from whoever, from all the Palestinians and whoever else. So we're kind of grappling still to get a hold of the land. Um, so he's going to explain the significance of the blessing of the land today's days when we don't have an Eretz Yisrael. He's going to explain primarily why in that blessing do we also thank God for the circumcision. Because in the second blessing we say we thank God for Torah and for bris. And the bris, which is the circumcision that you have engraved in our flesh. And we also thank God on the Torah that He has given us. What's the connection? Why in the you want to thank God for the Torah? That's nice. We for that we have a special blessing every day, Birchasa Torah. We say it in the morning. You want to thank God for a bris? Well, we do that by a bris milah. We thank Hashem for giving us the great opportunity to making a bris milah. Why do we add suddenly the blessing and thanking God for the bris and thanking God for the Torah in the midst of thanking God for the land? What's the connection? So that's what he's going to explain over here. The spiritual dynamics of all of this. It's really amazing stuff. The simple connection between bris and the, and, the, and the blessing thanking God for the land, for the land of Israel, is connected. Because God promised Avram Avinu, I'm going to give this land to you as a reward for the bris milah. And our deservance of the land is because of the bris milah. That's what makes us eligible for the land. So we, we understand there's a connection, an inherent connection between the bris milah and Eretz Yisrael. That's what he's going to deal with at the beginning of the Mimer. Okay, shall we begin? Lahavin to understand Tam, the reason. So Lahavin to understand Shoirish Tam, the root of the reason. Kishur of the connection. The Chibur and the attachment. The Shaykhis and the relationship. Wonder why he uses these three terms over here. The, the Kishur. The, the, the attachment or the, 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 the kishur actually means to not. The two things are knotted together 
and attached and a relationship. <laughs> I would think it should be the other way around. First shaykhis, something has a shaykhis, could be the distance. Chibur means they actually touch, and kishur means they're tied together, inseparable. But for some reason, the mimer begins the other way. It says to understand, maybe because, <laughs> maybe because he's working, I'm sorry, maybe because he's, <laughs> just tired, maybe because he's, he's working from his way up. He's saying shayrish tam, the root of the reason. And on the ray up, it begins with things being totally tied. Then it becomes just connected. And then finally becomes it has a shaykhaz. Down here it has a shaykhaz. But if you wake your way up, it gets deeper. The connection gets deeper and deeper and more unified. It just could be. Anyways, what's the connection? What's this question? What's the connection of bris v'tayra, of bris, of covenant, and tayra l'birchus amazin? To the blessing of, of benching. Why do we mention this suddenly? We're thanking God about a bris mila. Okay, <laughs> you have to thank God for food now. Why are you talking about the bris mila? Why are you thanking God now for? Right? And on the Torah that you have taught us. Another interesting thing that he's going to discuss at the end of the Maimur, he doesn't bring the question over here. The Lushan that we say, and the bris that you have that you have signed, so to speak, like a signature, you have engraved it in our flesh. From the Lashon is mashma that there was, he should have just said, that on the bris that's in our flesh. What's the bris that you have engraved in our flesh? Implying, as the Mimer is going to say in the end, that there's like two levels of bris. There is bris cha, there is your covenant, and then there is the covenant that you put into our flesh. And the same is also the al It implies there is Tairascha, there is your Torah, Shalimadetanu that you taught us. It's mashma that it's yours, and then you teach it to us. Two levels. The Mimer will discuss that later. Okay, just making note of that. But the first question over here is what's Bechlal the Shaykhitz? What's Bechlal the connection of Bris and Torah? in the blessing of the land. And this is so vital and so important that the sages say that if someone omits this sentence, if someone doesn't say, I'm thanking you God for my bris, or I'm thanking you God for the Torah that you've given us, during the benching, he has not fulfilled his obligation. But it says further, the person did not fulfill, execute his obligation. So in order to understand this, he says, let's first preface it with another question. First we have to understand even a greater question. How do we know the know? We know that benching is a biblical commandment. That's why it's the only blessing that if you don't remember, if you did it, you're supposed to do it over again. Generally the rule is, by all blessings, if you can't remember when you're eating a peach, if you said a bore priya eats, if you're not sure, if you know you didn't, you have to make a blessing. But if you don't remember, so then obviously you were daydreaming, and you know, usually you, you don't eat anything till you make a blessing. But you're not, you don't remember that you that you said it. So the rule is you're not allowed to make another blessing. It's forbidden because you might be saying Hashem's name in vain. You can't just make a name bore priya eats whenever you want. So the halacha is you're not allowed to. Suffolk brach is lahakal. The the, uh, doubt of a blessing, you have to be makal, means you don't make another blessing. 
The same is also with the after blessing. You're not allowed to make a second one if you don't remember. Like I had this week that I didn't remember if I said the birches, the, the blessings in the morning. So he, I had him say it for me. Well, I had no idea. See, when you daydream and your head is you cuckoo all day, so you don't remember. I don't know. I woke up in the morning. Did I say it? I thought I said it. Maybe I said it. I thought I said it. But I didn't remember. Anyway, so the Allah is you can't say it. However, um, benching is an exception. If you ate bread, you don't remember if you benched, you have to bench over again. And the reason for that is because the benching is the only blessing that there is that is that you're obligated from the Torah, not from the rabbis. It's a biblical commandment. And once it's already a Torah obligation, if you're in doubt, you have to, you have to be stringent and you need a bench. Oh no, if it's past the time and you can't do it anymore, then you lost it. As long as it takes to digest the food, I think it's an hour and 72, uh, uh, no, I think it's about in a close to an hour and a half. It's like a, a Maybe if you still, st- if you still, f- yeah, but that's a cheap one if you're still full, because anybody that's gonna want to still bench is gonna say they're still full. <laughs> so you have to have like a time. Uh, you have to have a time. I'm ready for the next meal five minutes later, all the time. So um, doesn't work. In any case, dohaksiv oh oh. So but so you see, it's minatora, and even today's days. And how much of it is minatora? Not only the first blessing, Hazan, but even the second blessing. The blessing Allah Oretz is also Minatora. That's why if you don't remember if you bench, you have to say the first and the second blessing as well, not just the first. But the question is, how can the blessing on the land of Israel be Minatora today's days when we don't have the land? We're thanking God. Okay, you can say the rabbis want us to still say it. So we shouldn't forget the blessing. That can I understand. But biblically, how can you be obligated to say a blessing on the land if you don't even own the land anymore? It's not in our hands. I'm not going to say we don't own it, but we're not there. It says you should bless God on the land that God gave you. So we can say, We can say, And the time when Yidin are living in their land. And now we're not living in our land. The idea is as follows. To understand why we today bless God on the land when we don't own the land, we first have to explore something else. The land was given to Avram Avinu in the merit of Mila, in the merit of circumcision. Like it says, I will give it to you and to your offspring after you. As Eretz Megurecha, the land in which you have lived. And where was Avram living then at that time in the land of Israel? Because Hashem told him, Lech Lecha, go to the land of Eretz Israel. As Kol Eretz Canaan, the entire land of Canaan, Lachuzas Olam, for an eternal inheritance. And then he continues, Va'ata and you, as Berisi Tishmar, and you, my covenant you should observe, Ata you, Vizeracha Achrecha Ludeiroisa. Those Hashem promises in the land contingent on what? The covenant that I am making with you. Which covenant is God making with Avram? The covenant of Brismila, of circumcision. And based on that, I am giving you your land to your children forever. The bris is forever and the land is forever. So he says, okay, now I have a bigger question. Tzadok love, we need to understand, if Eretz Yisrael is ours because of the bris, 
we, the Jewish people, have the bris even during the time of Gullus. The Jews never gave up circumcision. We've always had circumcision. Throughout history, all even the most difficult times, Jews circumcised their children with their greatest messirah nefesh. Even in Russia, someone was just telling me last Shabbos that his parents, they took a train, I think a three-day train, a three-day train ride from Moscow. He was born in Moscow. And his parents took him on a train three days, a newborn, going to Uman, where Rav Nachman of Breslov is coming from, because that's where his parents came from. And over there it was easier and safer to make a bris. And they weren't really too observant at that time. You're talking about in the midst of intense communism. Maybe this guy is in the, born in the 50s. Yeah. But yet they did it. Jews did it all along with Messiris Nefesh. But yet, if God promised us the land, we don't have the land. I mean, it's been away from us already for 2,000 years almost. First of all, he asked, what's the connection? Why do we have the land because of the midst of Brismila? There must be some deeper connection. And something else, that's the second question, the question I just asked. Yidin are loyal to the bris of Avram Avinu, and they're in a different land. They're scattered all over in the diaspora. And the land is given in the hands of aliens. And where is God's promise? It's an eternal inheritance. As long as you keep the Mila. But we keep the Mila all along, and yet we don't have the land. And the idea is... Shabbos, he's going to answer one answer that's going to answer everything together. Shabbos, in truth, God's promise has been fulfilled, and never has there been any question about His promise that we will have the land, because we always have the land. We don't have the physical land of Israel, but we have its spiritual source in heaven. Always belongs to us. Which means that there is just like there is the physical land of Israel, there is that spiritual level called Eretz, Halyona, the supernal land. And the Jewish people are connected and own that land. It's something that we have as part of our possession. That means it is the rights of every single Jew to experience that kind of spiritual experience that the land allows us to experience, and a Gentile cannot experience it. Because the Gentile does not own or does not live in the spiritual land of Israel. But we do. That madrega that was given to each and every one of us as an internal inheritance, whatever the land of Israel represents spiritually, is the, is the, is the um, property and the birthright, is the birthright of every single Jew. And that is contingent on the circumcision, on the bris meal. So it's not like God promised something to Amram and he didn't give it to him. He did give it to him. He didn't give him the physical land of Israel. That is not always, that too is given because of the bris meal. But that we don't always see how it is ours during the time of exile. But the source of the land of Israel, Beruchnius, is always ours. It never can be taken away from us. Even in the darkest moments of Galus, we still own and possess the spiritual land. And that madrega is given to us in the Schus of the Milo. Hashem gave us the higher land, Beruchnius, the spiritual land. And this is in truth, an internal inheritance. 
loy for him ulazaroi and for his for his children. That's why Mila is also today's days, even though one can argue, say, what's the trade-off? What's, what's the deal? God says, do the bris, I'll give you the land. We don't have the land, so we don't have to do the bris. So he says, no, 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 no. You keep doing the bris, even in the time that you know you don't have the land. Not just because you're hoping to get the land, but because you have the land now because of the bris, you have this gewaldige inyam. We'll soon see how precious this is, how awesome this is. That we have the land of spiritual land of Israel all along as, a re, as in reward for us making, for, ha, for us having the bris mila. The mila is applicable and we also bench and say the blessing on the land. That too is referring to the spiritual land. In other words, today's days we can't say I'm thanking God for the land of Israel unless you're living in the land of Israel on a Moshav somewhere and you have a piece of land that belongs to you. But if you're living over here in Los Angeles, you can't thank God for the land of Israel. It's not yours. You don't own any property in the land of Israel. Oh, but you're thanking God for the land. That means the spiritual level called Eretz above that's ours. And that is Menatorah even in our days. Of course, this is not a Bir Api Halacha. This is a Bir Api Chasidis. I mean, obviously a person has to open themselves up to the spiritual dynamics to be able to relate to this, what we're learning over here, that there's such a thing called owning Eretz Yisrael, but the Eretz Yon of the spiritual land of Israel. And the explanation of the matter is, let's understand what is the land of Israel. So we know that the land of Israel is called the land of Israel. It's called Eretz Yisrael. But the Torah doesn't refer to it as land of Israel too much. It refers to the land the whole time as Eretz Canaan. God says, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. So which one is it? Now we know that the ancient residents, the natives of the land, were the Canaanites. And then it, so it's called the land of Canaan because it's who used to live there. It's called the land of Israel because of the new residents. However, on a much deeper level, it's not called the land of Israel until the end of days. Eretz Yisrael is going to be the land of Israel only at the end of days. Until the final battle is over and all Kalipa is removed from the world, the land is still called the land of Canaan. It's still the Canaanite land. And because we're going to see what Canaan means. Canaan means the land of the merchant. Canaan means, Canaan means doing business. The land of the businessman. Because the Jewish people were given the job to do godly business to do godly buying and selling, godly purchase. We are Hashem's buyers in this world. And we buy chunks of this world for God. God God acquires real estate in this world. Even though He created it and everything belongs to Him, well, no one agrees to that. So everybody claims no trespassing to Hashem, private property, this is my place. And Hashem has no access to this world unless he purchases it. He says, okay, I'm willing to purchase it. But I have my buyers. And my buyers are the souls of Israel. And where do we buy it? We buy it in the land of Canaan. That's the place where, that's where the market is. The marketplace is the land of Israel. Now physically the land of Israel, yeah. Because that's the place where most mitzvahs were done. Last week in the parsha. To make it very brief and very short, just one, one akuda, this, this idea to understand this, and this will give a good introduction. 
buying for Hashem really means when we take pieces of this world out from the klipa and we give it to God and it becomes Hashem's property. The world is initially all fragmented and it has a billion owners. Everybody claims ownership to the world. And that's why the world is called Rishus Harabin. It's called the public domain. Everybody owns it. Everybody claims ownership. And God is like a stranger in this world. Now Hashem has a desire to purchase this world that it should become His. It's like a person that has a deep desire to buy a piece of land. And, and, but he can't get it because there's the, the, the seller doesn't want to sell it. So he tries whatever he can, every kind of thing to be... A, finally he's able to get a little portion, a little this, and a little that, and finally he's able to purchase the whole thing. That's Hashem's desire. God had a, a desire to have a dwelling place in this world. The problem is, the place that he wants, he can't have. Because the place that he wants have other people living there already. I mean, he, of course he created it that way, but that's safe called safe the situation. But now he wants to buy it back. So how, what does that mean? It means basically when we raise the sparks up, when we, when we, what does that mean? Is when we take something out, we wrestle it out from the hands of Klippa, and we, you, we designate it to God, beginning with ourselves, our bodies, and our possessions, and we donate ourselves to Hashem, we sell ourselves to God, we give ourselves over to Hashem, and then as Hashem is acquiring, piece by piece. And that is accomplished, he's going to say, the deepest accomplishment of that is through prayer. But then, that translates into all the mitzvahs we do all day long. When we do a mitzvah, we take a little piece of this world. You see, when we pray, we elevate our general being to God. Through sincere and deep prayer, Hasidic prayer, meditative prayer, deep prayer, we reorient ourselves completely from being a a, a, a separate entity here to serve ourselves to be in submission to a higher source. That's what we do during davening. Then we implement that conviction, that powerful conviction that we had during davening, we implement it through all the acts of mitzvahs that we do throughout the day, is that we're taking the little pieces and details of our life and, and bringing that to Hashem. Now main mitzvah observance was in the land of Israel. As it says last week in the parasha, And we know so many mitzvahs don't apply outside of the land of Israel. So the main mitzvah, that's why the land of Israel is called the place where Hashem, it's called Eretz Canaan, which means a place of purchase. A place of business. That's the marketplace where Hashem buys the world. Now, when Hashem finishes buying the entire land and all, of, and all of the world becomes God through the mitzvahs the Jewish people did in the land of Israel and then eventually the mitzvahs that we do continue doing later, but through this avoda of, doing, of, of elevating the sparks, then at the end, after there's no more business to do because there's nothing to fix anymore. Everything has already been purchased. Then it's now called Eretz Yisrael. But until you don't finish Con- converting the entire world to godliness, we're still in the midst of the work of the business. It's still part of the work of the business. It's still called Eretz Kana. Now physically, the place of mitzvah observance is in the land of Israel. Spiritually, this, this, the place of, of mitzvah observance is in the domain called the spiritual land, which is the do- domain of Malchus. 
Because as we spoke many times, the whole Indian of a mitzvah is the idea that you are doing mitzvah samelech, you're doing the mitzvah of the king. You're playing, you're playing king subject with God. So in the arena of malchus, in the arena of kingship is shayach to do a mitzvah. Outside the arena of malchus, there is no mitzvah. Let me explain why outside malchus there is no mitzvah. Outside of malchus can mean two, in two, two areas, lower than malchus and above malchus. Lower than malchus, there is no mitzvah because lower than malchus means rebellion. If you're not acknowledging that God is God, like an atheist or a non-believer, or even someone who believes but says, I don't want to be your servant, someone who doesn't want to say, I'm no avdo the kucha berichu, I am God, I am, I, I'm, I'm your servant, I'm the servant of, of a Kaddish Baruch. So, so then that means you're lower than Malchus, you're not acknowledging Malchus. So over there, of course, there is no, Hashem is not buying quite in the country, things are being torn away from Him. Land that once belonged to Him is being pulled away, so that's the opposite. Higher than Malchus, there is also no, no business because higher than Malchus, there's nothing to fix. Higher than Malchus, it's felt and sensed, there's, there's no creation. Higher than Malchus is only God. In all the attributes, in all the worlds that are higher than Malchus, there's nothing but Hashem, so there's nothing to elevate. The whole point of elevating is that there's public domain, and now that public domain has to surrender to Hashem. And that's the idea of a melech, a king. A king has subjects, and the subjects surrender to serve him. So over there is where the entire purpose of creation plays itself out in the arena and in the, in the space, so to speak, of Malchus. That's why Eretz, which is Malchus, Malchus is called Eretz, because Malchus is the lowest of the ten attributes. The lowest divine manifestation is Malchus. It's what's called Eretz. What's Eretz? Eretz is the lowest. Earth, the lowest. There's nothing lower than Earth. So the lowest level of holiness is Eretz is Malchus. And that's where business takes place. In other words, only in a place where we have free choice, where we have some, some, some sense of independence and beingness that we have our lives. And over here is where a mitzvah comes in. God is commanding us to do a mitzvah. God can't command himself to do a mitzvah. So imagine entering into a space Whereas what we call bitl bimitzias, where everybody is utterly nullified to God because and, and every existence, every entity in that realm sees, feels, and experiences that he has no other existence but God is existing, that, but Hashem's existence. So really, what is it? Every, everything in that realm is only limbs of God. It's the limbs and organs of God. Is it possible for God to say, I am commanding you to do something? Do you ever command your fingers to do something? Is it shaykh to say, Oh, finger now, I commend you to take the toothpick with that sushi and put on it, dip it in. It's ridiculous. You don't command. It's just, it's you, I want. So it's, it's one thing, it's one entity. So above malchus, above the realm of malchus, that's shaykh a commandment. No mitzvahs. And that's why it's also not shaykh business. Because the whole business is that something is being acquired that it becomes yours from it not being yours. So there first has to be separate consciousness. Then you can make it yours. So higher than Malchus, there's no separate consciousness. It's only the Melech. It's only him. 
Only God. In Malchus, ein melech beloy am. Oh, so now I need to have a nation, and I have a people, and people have kind of their own life and their own business, and I can ask of them to surrender, to do my will. So that's where the business takes place, all in the level of Malchus. That's why Malchus is called Eretz Canaan. When we say that God gave the land of Canaan to the Jewish people, what does that mean? God has given us the ability to surrender to Him perfectly. Hashem has given us the ability to do His mitzvahs, to be the submission to Him, to feel, in other words, to come to a state of bitl hayash, to a state of bitl. Non-Jews don't really have that. It's not like a non-Jew cannot obey God's commandments. God gave non-Jews, God gave Gentiles seven commandments. Seven commandments, the seven commandments that a non-Jew is supposed to keep is not really interfering so much with their day-to-day, daily everything. They basically have a lot of room to do whatever they want. Only that there are certain barriers, the world should not become destroyed, it shouldn't be a jungle. So the basic decency. Recognize that there is a boss. Don't steal, don't murder, respect someone else's property. But within your property, go live a chazadish tug, do whatever you want. Within, live, live yourself. Don't be cruel to animals, I understand, but everything else. A non-Jew has a free life to do what he wants. But with mitzvah observance, what is God asking of us as a mitzvah observant? Constantly, you don't live a moment of your life not in a surrendered state. Surrender your money, surrender your time, surrender your everything. You have money, give me tzedakah. You have clothing, wear, the way, wear, the, wear, wear, wear the, only the clothing I like you to wear. In your kitchen, I'm going to tell you exactly what you can eat, what you can't eat. Everything. The Abishter buds into every aspect of our life. And that's a Jew. That means that the Abishter gave the Jewish people the land of Canaan. Because the land of Canaan is the land in where this business of elevation takes place. Again, business means that God, that the things become purchased to God. The very idea that something is being purchased means it was once not yours and it becomes yours. So every day we wake up in the state of not belonging to God. We wake up and we have an ego that claims I am. I want to live my life, do whatever I want to do. And then we have the nagging <laughs> call, Oy, if the daven, Oy, to learn. Oy, you have to give tzedakah. Oy, someone needs to help. So the Abishter is literally on our case to constantly bring us, asking of us bitl. So we the Jewish people, that's what it means to us, it was given the land. Now, now, now here's an amazing thing. Canaan has another interpretation. The mimer is coming together right now in my head. Till now it isn't. The, 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 the word Canaan has another meaning. Canaan doesn't only mean business. Canaan also comes from the word hachna'a. Hachna'a means humility, surrender, lowliness. That goes hand in hand. Because in order to do business for God, I have to give up and surrender my ego. I have to surrender myself. So the Jewish people were given the land of surrender. And that's the business that God, that's God's profit. That's His enjoyment. Enjoyment in creating the world, His profiting creation, that He wants to make a profit, is this surrender. That's His pleasure. That ego becomes surrender to Him. 
And where does that take place? In a Jewish life. So we're given the land of Achna, and we're giving the land of business. And as you can explain in a minute, it's this business interaction that God continuously, it feeds and it fuels, this literally feeds and fuels the entire existence of the cosmos. Because without this business, God has absolutely no interest in creating worlds. His entire pleasure and oomph and drive to create, which as he's going to explain in a moment, is a really, 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 really cheap thing for God. It's not like a major important thing. It's like the most insignificant thing for him to do is to create a universe. And he absolutely doesn't need it. It doesn't give him anything. Other than he decided that he will like this, that he will take pleasure in this surrender. So this is the most important business transaction that takes place. This keeps God investing in the world. Without this prophet, he would not invest. So the land of Israel, we understand, is the nucleus of creation. The land of Canaan. That little tiny piece. Because that's where things connect to heaven. Imagine that. You have an entire globe. You have China, Japan, Germany, France, Korea. right? All the other countries that there is. Canada, America, Russia. Big swaths of land. Australia. God isn't in all those countries, He's not doing business, it's not happening. Earth is earth. Earth is not connecting to heaven. It's that little piece of land where things are being sublimated, things are being elevated. And that's where the attachment, that's where the whole purpose of creation lies. And that Canaan and the business that's happening there, as a result of the humility of the of the and a result of the humility of the inhabitants of that land. The Achnov, Eretz Canaan, those who live in the land of the so we understand that even if technically we don't live in the land of Israel and we live over here in Los Angeles, wherever we live across the world, we can still engage in this work of this humility and that means we're living in the spiritual land of Israel, in the spiritual land of Canaan, even if we're not physically living. This is the thrust of the main idea of the first parak. But I do want to say that the Altareb is... Ma- this, what I just mentioned, is very, is very briefly mentioned and what he's going to talk about a lot is that how this purchase is made. We're pur- God is purchasing things. And his gewaldic, this piece is so beautiful. He's going to bring out the idea of the way this purchase is made in the exact same way in which halachically any, any, um, buying, and, any buying transaction, any acquisition transaction is, is accomplished. So there's two things involved when you buy something that the thing should halachically be yours. Number one, you have to take the object. The buyer has to either lift the object up and by lifting it up, it becomes theirs. If I'm buying a book in the bookstore, if I pick it up, it becomes mine. Another way of doing it is I do mashikh, I drag it, even if I'm not picking it up. I pull it on the ground. But the is that Mashiach is only kone in a Rishus in a private domain. If I'm selling something on the street in a public domain and I drag it on the floor, I'm not being kone. It doesn't constitute an act of acquisition. It has to be drawn in a private domain. Then, by me pulling it, it becomes mine. So again, pulling or lifting up. And the other thing obviously we understand that's a very 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 important when you buy something you got to pay 
if you just draw to pick it up from today till tomorrow, if you don't pay, then there's a problem. So, the, 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 so there's two inyanim that make up a sale. The payment and the drawing. The Gemara deals which one is the main acquisition. There's an argument in the Gemara. Is it the Mashiach or the Hagbah? Or is it the Kesef? Or is it the money? When God acquires things from us, acquires the world, these things happen as well. He draws us, and the Rebbe is going to Tzogavaldi. You know what Tzogavaldi is over The Alt Rebbe? The Alt Rebbe is going to explain the drawing that happens, which means a spark of holiness. A human being is being drawn to God. Something in this world is giving. Something in this world is giving in to God and becoming God's possession. He's going to explain the intensity of it. That's what's so gewaldic. Okay, you could have said, it becomes holy. Ah, he doesn't do that. He explains it with such drama of how deeply it becomes God's, how unified it becomes with the Abishter. He explains the Indian of Meshich, of the pull, what happens. And in addition to that, he explains the money that God gives. Like Hashem has to pay. And he's going to explain what basically happens of these. It's two levels of how something becomes godly. One level is Meshich is the, the godliness the elevation that some that someone elevates, let, let's say in a person himself, a person is elevating their identity. We said before that the main purchase, we said earlier that the main purchase happens during during um, during davening. Because the mitzvahs you do during the day are little details of that purchase. But the overall general pur- purchase, in which you're purchasing the entire human being that happens during davening, because in davening, you give yourself over to God. And he's going to base it, he's gewaldig, he's going to base it on um, what we say by Tachnun. Elecha Hashem nafshi esa. To you, God, I raise my soul. When, once you say that by Tachnun, finished, finito. You're, you, you have sold yourself to God. That's it. Don't try to make believe the rest of the day that you, are your, you own yourself. Forget about it. You've already admitted by Tachnun, to you Hashem I give myself I belong to you but he's going to explain that there's two levels in that there is how much you can give yourself over but because you're limited so how much can you surrender yourself how high can you nullify yourself only to a certain degree because we are limited and therefore everything we do has limitations but guess what when you finish lifting yourself up and giving yourself over and surrendering yourself through love to attach yourself to Hashem to the deepest point you're able to do, then God gives money. And what does it mean when God gives money? Then God infuses love into your soul. Kesef, money means kisufin, longing. So you can lift yourself up. That's called meshicha, your halah, you're raising yourself up. Or meshicha, you're being drawn. He's going to explain soon. If it's we doing it, why is it called Mashiach? Mashiach means the buyer is pulling. And we're saying Mashiach is us lifting ourselves up. So it's like the object moving itself, not the Abishter moving. He's going to explain that every love that we have, even the most minor love, any love that we do, even if we work hard on developing it, has to have God's power in it. Because without God invigorating and empowering us to do so, we can't get anything done. The pull of gravity of earth the sense of yeshus, the sense of separation, the sense of klipa, 
that, 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 that traps us is so strong with an iron grip, we couldn't move ourselves into any level of bitl, even the tiniest bit. So Meshicha is Hashem helping us lift ourselves up, but still it's us, us being pulled into the private domain, into God. But it's still limited by our limitations. The real connection, the real acquisition that we become completely subsumed in Hashem, become totally melted into Him, that's the second stage, when God gives, pays the cash. When He gives the cash, meaning He pays your neshama, He illuminates your soul with powerful love. And that love takes your soul on an infinite journey of absorption into the Ein Sof. And then the, then the business transaction has ended. It's complete. It's complete. You belong to Hashem. For that day, tomorrow you'll do it over again. But for today, you've been absorbed in the Ein Sof. This is the experience of Eretz Kanan. And then he's going to explain why it's also called the land of milk and honey because of this, and why it's called the land, the broad land, even though it's a tiny little piece of land. It's called the land of broadness, as we're going to see soon. So this is all discussed over here. So now let's see it inside. Peter Indian, who in the explanation of the matter is, what does it mean, the land of Canaan? Canaan means humility, and Canaan means lowliness. Canaan bitl. It's the ability, the land of Bittl. Hashem gives us the land of Israel means He gives us the experience of Bittl. And Canaan has another meaning, Umalashen Tagar V'Seicher. It also means a merchant. As it says in Yeshaya, that its merchants are Sarim, are ministers. Kenaneha Nechbade Aretz. Its business dealers are nechbade aretz, are the nechbadim, are the, um, the, the honorable citizens of the land. Ubohisheya, and Isheya says, Kenan, a merchant, biyaday in his hand, mazne mirma, false um, 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 scales, deceptive scales. That's because a merchant is buying and he's weighing. Okay. But Akaponim, you see that Kenan means a merchant. But it also says by Yehuda that he married a Bashua, a woman called Bashua, who is the daughter of Ishknani. So Rashi says over there, a merchant. Tagar. Now he's going to explain. So what does it mean the land of Canaan is a land of, of acquisition? Tagar is a So a Tagar, a merchant that buys any type of a Mekach, any type of um, a purchase. From the seller, who are they based on? Are two things that are necessary. Number one, he does a mashicha; he pulls the object. And he elevates it from the rishus of his friend. He brings it into his domain. First, it belonged to the guy, to the seller, and now he draws it in; it becomes his. And the second one, he gives kasef; he gives money. From his hand to the hand, the hand of his fellow. Two things. He does Mashiach. The Kachinexiv, so too it says, by God, Kone Hakol. He purchases everything. He buys everything. Even though ah, God created everything, so everything belongs to him, but that's only from his perspective. 
from the perspective of the creations, every creature and every being claims its own space and says, I am the boss over me. So now God wants to purchase all of that. And it should be clear that La Shema Aretzim Loya, that God owns the land and the whole world. And this is also in this way. And I was going to explain this idea of when God purchases the world. And he's going to explain how this business transaction that Hashem wants to purchase everything, this is what fuels the entire um, 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 power that creates the creation. In other words, if not for this, there's no reason for God to create the world. He creates it so he can buy it. He explains. Hashem himself, Ram Venisa. Hashem is exalted, he's elevated, Megeder Alman, from all any relationship with the worlds. How much higher is he than the worlds? Revavis Madregois Leinkates. Myriads of levels, infinite levels. There's no end to how much higher God is from all the worlds. Worlds are end. How he's infinitely higher, Memalakalalman, from being Memalakalalman. First of all, he fills all worlds. No, he's saying he's higher. He's higher from the, to fill the worlds. He's higher from to fill the worlds with an indwelling light. And he is higher from, from to encompass the world with an encompassing light. Because we know that God gives two types of life to the world. One of them is an indwelling light, small little crumbs of life to every little creature and every little being. Then there's a general uniform power that encircles all of existence and enlivens all of existence equally, called Sovet Kalam. Now the Rebbe says that God is infinitely transcending both the Mamale and the Sovet. The Ein Aroich. And when we say there's no comparison at all, Vafilut Simtsum Arishon, and even the first Simtsum. Even the first contraction, which is like way, way, way up there. That itself takes a very, very great descent for God to, God to appear. Now we know that after the first symptom, after the first symptom, there is the light of the kav, the light of the thread. And we know, wow, that's like at those levels of primordial, primordial, primordial existence. Like it's like unbelievable the energy and the life force on that level. After the tzimtzum. But we know, ah, 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 as powerful and as unbelievably incomprehensible that is, it's a, it's a very big yurida to get there. God had to diminish himself endlessly. And that's what the first tzimtzum is. The first tzimtzum is an is a endless contraction and blocking an endless descent, an infinite descent. So he's just showing that even the highest levels are all already a big plummeting from God, a big descent. Everything that comes after the first symptom is considered cheap words, the words of a simpleton. Now here, now by the way, I want to say something. This mimer over here is like kind of very, very... Um, it is uh, very uh, cryptic and, and constant. I mean, um, it's not barichus. In comparison to the Mittler Rebbe version of this mimer, is in the Siddur, in the, in the Siddur that we learn sometimes from the Alter Rebbe Siddur, in Birchus Amazon. There's a mimer called Vahakim Moisi Es Berisi. 
It's the same mimer. But over there, it's far more elaborate form. Like the Mittler Rebbe used to write, far more elaborate. This particular piece that we're learning right now also is found in Derech Mitzvah in the mitzvah of Mekach Memkar, which is the mitzvah of buying and selling, where he explains this whole idea of how buying and selling exists in the spiritual dynamics in God. In both those places, when you read it, you get a little bit more understanding of what he's saying that you don't really get when you're reading it in the Mimer over here. So what I'm saying now is taken from the other Mimarim. What he's saying over here is, Ubiskira Achas. Now even the higher level of creation. See, earlier he spoke about the, 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 he says that creation is, is, is zero for him. Right? Zero. Mamsha, very big plan. So now he's continuing and he says, even the Soviv Kalalman, in which we say that God encircles all of creation. Even that is considered, and, 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 and encircling all of creation is the idea, he's going to explain it now in a moment, that what? That in one scan, God scans all of existence from the highest world to the lowest world. In one vision, in one, one picture, he sees it all. From the beginning of time to the end of time, from the beginning of space to the end of space, all in one snapshot. Obviously, that kind of one look and one, one scan, he sees it all. Obviously, we're not talking about mamalakalalman. Because the mamalakalalman means, what's mamalak? Mamalakalalman means God fills every creature with a life force that is commensurate and compatible with that particular creation, that which fits and tailored to every creation. Over there we speak about God has gazillions of words coming from His mouth. Because we know the ten utterances, each one become millions of utterances. And as it goes through a whole system, as He explains in Sha'i Yichud Ve'emunah, of, 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 of transmigrations of letters, and letters are interchanged with other letters. Transmigrations? I don't know if this is, but there's, or, 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 or permutations of the various different words as they change and they're flipped and... And Sefi Yetzirah talks about so many different exchanges of letters. So over there, each creation has its own godly, divine attention given to it. So you can't say he scans it in one scan. He looks at each one differently. He gives each one its own individual intention. Oh, that's true. But that's the Mamalakal Alman. But in the Soviv Kalalman, what we call the encompassing light, he creates everything in one shot. Bang! Obviously, on this level, the life force that's within the creation is still this encompassing. Hashem hasn't let himself down to the details of the creation. It's just he wants it all, and there's like the energy over here is still far, far expansive. It's not limited, it's not yet detailed. So the Soive, we might think, oh, this is much closer to God. So he says, that's what he's saying, the Chiddush over here. That even the save of Kalalman, that's still transcendental light, it's not yet fitted in the vessels, it's not yet so minuscule and mitigated into the details. It's still one, even that is still infinitely low for God. It's nothing. As the, as the Tzemach, as the Mimer over there says, that even, hear this, even the Malchus of Ein Sof, that's bef- the light that's before the Tzimtzum, this Tzimtzum, that's what he spoke about earlier, even the Malchus, the Ein Sof, in where the Tzimtzum happened, which is the Sovev Haklali, which is the general Sovev Kalalman, that too is only a ray of him. It's not him. And therefore, it's very low to Hashem Himself. 
as it stated in that in one thought he created the world. In one mimer, which which all of this is referring to uh, the higher level of creation, where God is creating the worlds from the Sovev light, not from the Mamale light. Which obviously we understand that the level of energy over here is still very, very, very sublime and very high, yet compared to him, this is also a very, very big Yurida. So in order for God that it should, it should be drawn from him, this order of evolving worlds, so this needs to be constantly fueled. There has to be a powerful drive why God would want to do this. Because there is no reason for it, because it's only a great diminishment of who he is. It's a great humility on his part. Now why should he humble himself so much? Why should he be so silly to create the silly creation? Ultimately, it's a very silly thing. Why should he stay in the game? Why shouldn't he opt out? And the answer is, there is something there that, 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 that he likes. You know what that is? Soif The end of the action. What happens in this physical world? What happens? What happens? What happens Tuesday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon while you're laying in the couch and you're tired and you're sipping iced coffee and you're not in the mood of anything. You're all you can think of yourself. And at that moment, you, you get a phone call that someone needs help. And you'll push yourself to go help another person because God expects that from you. That justifies all of existence. That's it. That's it. That, that generates the cosmos. That was God's desire before He created the world. In a place of such thick and coarse ego, in a place of such density of, of beingness, a crack, there's like a, something cracks and something gives away. It's like when you see... When you see the, just the imagery, when you see these huge, huge, huge chunks of ice in the Arctic, and now with global warming, sometimes they try to show you how suddenly, like this chunk of ice comes breaking down and goes into the water. That's the way God sees it. When there's this icy cold existence that doesn't feel Him, and suddenly the global warming, the warming of the Ein Sof reaches this creature and this being and causes it to melt to melt for the, for the Abishter, that cracks and that gives away, boom, that generates the desire at the quintessence prior to all of existence to call God into creation that Hashem should want to create the world. And hear this, it doesn't say it over here, but the Mittler Rebbe, this is so gewaldig, it says a mashal, this, for this itself, this can make me dance for a year. It says a mashal, he brings a mashal, Mashal Labas Melech. It's a mashal to a princess who eats gourmet meals all the time. And one time she smelled Tzike Kedera. Tzike Kedera means, you know, onions that get stuck. Or sometimes, you know, for the Persians I'm saying this. The rice that gets stuck at the bottom. They like the hard, I like the Persian hard, the hard rice at the bottom. Where it gets, as they like, really burnt. Well, this were the onions that get burnt at the bottom of a, of a pot. She smelled those onions and she wanted them. She wanted to scrape the bottom of the pot. But it's not fitting for the princess to go into the kitchen and start picking at the french fries that are still connected, the hard ones that got burnt and got stuck to the bottom of the pot. So she, it's pasta-nish, she, doesn't, she can't do that. 
So her servants she see that she wants it, so they go and they scrape the bottom of the pot and they bring it to her. And when they bring it to her, she has a party. And she, that is more meaningful to her than all the gourmet food that the chefs have cooked. If you know what was happening, I'll tell you what was going on. She, has, she runs a palace, okay? She's got the fanciest foods, the biggest chefs in the world. Meanwhile, the servants one night are hungry. They didn't have what to eat, whatever. The kitchen got emptied out. And they decide to make french fries, okay? The servants. And they have a pot and in the bottom, and she smells it. And she says she wants some of that hard potatoes that got stuck at the bottom of the pot. So the servants go and bring it to her. Bechashoi, quietly. No one knows, but they slip it in and they give it to her. Ah, and she's full of pleasure. So the Mitzvah Rebbe says like this, Bas Melech, who's the daughter of the king? That's Malchus of Ein Sof. Malchus is called Bas, is called daughter. Bas Melech calls, is referring to the Malchus of Ein Sof before the Tzimtzum. That's the princess. She's the daughter of the king. She's the daughter because... That's where the taiva has a, arouses in God to eat from the burnt, from the burnt, from the, from the tzike kadeira, what's at the bottom of the pot. Which means that God got a taiva for our good deeds that happen in the, it's called the bottom of the pot because this is such a grub, a coarse world. It's not even fitting for the king, or the princess to even touch this. It's so coarse. Yet she, she likes that. And he says over there, so the servants go and they bring it to her quietly is referring to Shmona Esrei. Because ultimately we dominate Shmona Esrei quietly. Because where do all the, where do all the nitzutzim, where are all the nitzutzim kedusha elevated? A person gathers sparks of holiness all day long. You have thousands of moments of bittel throughout your day. But where do you really take all these bittles, bittel moments and, and, and surrender yourself completely to Hashem? Where is the point of contact where all this gets included into God, it's during Shemona That's what it means that they serve it to her quietly. And that quiet, that's why we tell Shemona Esri quietly, because God is embarrassed kind of to eat the, the, the <laughs> these coarse, bittle digger things. Pastish for the Melech to eat it. But quietly we give it to him. And that's what generates the entire flow of life into the creation. And that's what he's explaining over here, that that's the business. He's, he's purchasing He's purchasing something that doesn't belong to him, and that's being given to him. Okay, so Elias Nim Shachmemenu say the Ishtal Shulos in order for the order of Ishtal Shulos to be drawn from him in Ekishaola Britzaynoi when it arose in his will. Hayakichafet Chesed. First, it was an simply an act of generosity. Va'achakach and afterwards Tali b'Maisatach Toinim, but afterwards. It's dependent on the actions of the lower creatures. In other words, initially God did it on his own because he thought about the pleasure he will get and afterwards we have to be through our work from below. We have to evoke an arousal above that God should want to create. If a person if a person devotes his heart to God. Now what do we have to do? By us, as we said earlier, we have to give ourselves to Him. As He says over here, Eilecha Hashem nafshi esa. To you God I raise my soul. Vahainu. And how do we accomplish that? Al yedeshen is boinein. How does a person... Here's the question. How do you lift yourself up from yourself and surrender yourself to God? I mean, I'm me. Why should I, why should I live for something not me? 
I understand if a person does something for someone else, but ultimately there is a selfish motive. In other words, by, by, by me giving to you, I hope that I'll gain, I'll have some kind of enhancement for myself. But over here, to give yourself up completely to surrender, like why? Why would a person do that? So the Rebbe is explaining, well, you do that because really you realize that you really are of God. It's not like you're giving yourself up to someone that's not you. You're really giving yourself back to who you really are. That's your real you. So you're just really returning yourself to who you are. So you take that, and only then can you have a real, a real surrender. Because it's not possible. I mean, why would someone rip, rip, eradicate himself? And the Alter Rebbe, he really explains that in Tanya and Perikutes. The Alter Rebbe is explaining that, we're, that the Nisham is compared to fire. And there's no rational reason why a soul wants to dissolve in God other than the fire really comes from there and the fire wants to return to its source. So when a person recognizes that I'm not of this world, that that's the whole his bindingness that he mentions over here, is, is a person has to recognize I am not of this world. My neshama precedes creation. It's part of the, part of the Abishter. I only find myself in this reality, trapped in this, in this existence, for a very short period of time, during my lifetime, that I'm alive in this body. It's a very short period compared to my soul's eternal existence, in which it was one with God in the past. It will be one with God in the end. Now there's only a short period of time in the middle that it is separated. So why should I, why should I leave it in this, in this unnatural state? Let me bring myself back to the natural state of union. And he says this idea... He says this idea is emphasized, this idea is expressed in when we say, Elach Hashem Nashi Es, I left to you my soul. And also we begin davening with this concept to try to help us come to that. We say, God, the soul that you have given me, Then we say, You created it, You formed it, You blew it into me. You're going to, in the end, you're going to take it back from me. So what are we trying to say? We're saying like this. My neshama is pure. Pure means before it was created. The existence of the neshama in its pre-created state. There the neshama is one with God. That's why it's called tahira. Tahira means she's tahira means clean, clean, pure. Which means she doesn't occupy, she doesn't have any self-consciousness because she's one with Ein Sof. She's tahar. She's what he calls it tihari hila. The, the supernal clarity, the supernal, just like up, there's a certain point where there's nothing but God, there's nothing, there's not even a cloud in the sky, it's just clean sky, it's just clean godliness. So that's where the neshama comes from, a place of just plain clarity, she's lost in the insult. Then, Hashem, you thicken the soul into existence, but then you're going to bring her back to that union with you. So why should it be in this, in this, unnatural state. So I might as well give it to you already now. That's why every day I'm going to return my neshama to you. This idea the Alter Rebbe explains in Perik Mem Aleph in Tanya. He says that every day when a person davens, davening and serving Hashem should be an act of Mesiras Nefesh. Mesiras Nefesh is like literally like you're dying. You're saying to yourself, why do I have to die after 120? I will die, but not the negative element of dying, the positive element. I will return my soul to its rightful place already now while I'm alive. With my body. By, by what? By learning Torah all day and doing mitzvahs all day. I'm not going to be thinking about my needs. I'm going to be 
in tune with God. That's what Torah mitzvah is, being in tune with God. So I'm submerging myself back in the Ein Sof. And that's where I want to be all day. So every day you do that. Elecha Hashem Nashies. When you're doing that, you're giving something of creation back to God. That's the idea. So we're learning over here. And that serves as the platform and the foundation for all the rest of the day in which you will do little tidbits of bittel. But it's all dependent on this core essential bittel that you have in the beginning of the day by saying to Hashem, by declaring that you are going to live and I am going to live a higher existence for Hashem. When a person will contemplate, to be the soul that you have given to me, she's pure. And you're going to take it away from me. And therefore, even from now I want to give it back to him. Even before it's time. I realize that my nesham is from Tahira. You're going to take it back. So therefore, I'm going to give it to you already now. The person becomes disgusted with this life of ridiculousness. Because for, 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 for 70, 80, 90, 100, 120 years, a person is living drugged up in total insanity, in total delusion. That's what it is. A person is delusional. Living and thinking that we are, in it, we are important and existence other than our divine mission is literally intoxication and delusional. Literally, you're drugged up. So a person can say, I want to sober up. I don't want to be living in these drugs. So I want to give myself back to the Eibishter. Shemoyaz Bechai of Mamash, the person gets disgusted with this. I said, I want to return my Nishama to its source from where it's been excavated. And that's why a guy can't do it, because the guy doesn't come from there. So why, for, the, for the guy to do this, it's literally killing himself. Why should he want to do that? He's, he's, for, the, for him, it's a real destruction. For a Jew, it's not destruction. It's, 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 it's liberation. That's the difference. For the Jew, it's liberation. For the non-Jew, it's destruction. That's why God doesn't ask it from the non-Jew. Because why would you want to destroy yourself? But from the Jew, it's not destruction. It's liberation. Let me be who I really am. For the neshama to be absorbed in the wrapping of life, to be absorbed, returned in Hashem. And when you're doing that, you're elevating yourself from below the mountains of separation because before you do this, when you wake up in the morning, you're a mountain of separation. You're full of ego. We're all that way. We have a sense of I am, I am, whatever. So I'm a mountain of separation. Then when I come and I daven and I recognize this and I make this transition in my mind, I give myself over. That's called Hagbah. I'm lifting myself up. Ah, now Hashem is purchasing you, your body, your life. And we said earlier when a king, God creates the world so he can make a purchase, he's purchasing you, your time and your space that you're living in, and your body and everything about you is being now purchased for God. You're becoming real estate that belongs to Hashem. To elevate it to God's unity. And this is like the mashal, by the way of analogy, Meshicha, the thing is being drawn, the thing is being pulled. The thing that's the object is being, is being now given and purchased and given to the Abish. Why? Oh, now if, but we're doing that. This is coming mainly through a person himself doing that, through a person's meditation and prayer. He said, you meditate how you're once one with Hashem. 
Why is it called Mashiach that God is pulling? That's why I mentioned earlier that in order to be able to do this, we need Hashem's assistance. Even this we couldn't do on our own. So it's considered as if Hashem did the Mashiach, even though he's going to explain a great, uh, strong, very strongly that this, this elevation is limited. Because since it's coming through our efforts, it only has a certain, only so far that you can plant yourself into Hashem only to a certain degree. But, and when we arouse, and when we do our iris from below, ruach, I see ruach. So the wind draws the wind, meaning the, the spirit draws the spirit. It's mamshich, it draws down God's response. And what will Hashem do? Hashem will pay you for it. He has to give money. He has to lay out the cash. That's the money. Shehi b'chinas, and what's kesef? That's avarabah, that's great love. See, all this, which a person yanks himself out from the earth and plants himself above, that's limited love, because it comes through meditation and thinking and the like. How God is real and the world is not so real. That's what, that's what we have to think about. But now, a person is overtaken suddenly by a godly pull. Something of divine starts pulling his neshama. That's called avarabah, great love. That comes from above. And this is the idea, the beautiful words of the Alter Rebbe. I love you, God says. When we show love to Him, that can't, God can't help, but he, His love comes gushing forth. And that love fills the cosmos with light. All the supernal worlds, all the attributes, and it reaches your source of your neshama that is embedded in the, in the spherot, is suddenly filled with this, it's called Hamshachas HaChasadim. It's the Hamshacha of Chesed, a supernal Chesed, that is flowing through the entire system. It touches your soul, and suddenly your soul is vibe in its source, is suddenly feeling and sensing this powerful, infinite love that is generated from your, from you trying to elevate. It causes a, a response from above, and then Yenishama starts being really pulled but this pull already is not limited by the humanity, by your understanding and your, underst- your appreciation of how deep and you appreciate the divine. This is on God's level, on God's scale. It's infinite. And this is where we gradual, graduate from Bechol Nafshecha to Bechol Ma'odecha. Because Bechol Nafshecha means with all your soul, which means with all of your power. Bechol Ma'odecha means with all your much, meaning much more than what you have. Ma'od means boundless now you're loving God with a boundless love as it is known there's two levels of love because we know in general there are four levels corresponding to the four names of God fear, love, love and fear the yud is fear the he is love the second he is also uh, the vav is love and the final he is fear so it's fear, love, love. So the two, but he's now not talking about the levels of fear. He's talking about the two loves. The lower love is called is the love that you create from your own thinking. As we said before, the meshicha, you're lifting yourself up. And the second love is the love that comes from above. That's Hashem giving kesef. Kesef is money. Is 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 love. One is love that's be. That's below seichel. That means it's a love that's created by the mind. Therefore, it's lower than the mind. 
that created it. And that's why it's limited. The kitzvah and it has a, and it has an end. With the erech haseichel, according to the quality of the of the of the mind that produced it, the abeis and the second type of love, upchenas averaba, is infinite love, great love, beligvul that is without an end, upchenas ma'oid. It's ma'oid that has no end. The commercial cost of kol zebekriya shema, like all of this is stated in the shema, vahaftas Hashem alekachol b'chol nafshecha. It says you should love God with all your soul. Shehib chenas avazuta. That's that's considered the the minor love. Because it's your soul, it's with all of your capacity. Which, as we said before, is what you do when you lift yourself up. Elecha Hashem nafshi I am raising my soul up to you. But then we reach a higher level, with all your might. This is when a person is overtaken with the great supernal love, beligvul, without a limit. And this is called ma'od, very much. And these two loves are called Kabbalistically man and mad. Man means Maya Nukvin. Maya Nukvin means feminine waters. And mad means masculine waters. What's the difference between feminine waters and masculine waters? Feminine waters means the, 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 the female, the makabel, the recipient, which is the neshama is raising herself. It's like the woman desiring the man. So she's raising herself up to reach for him. And Mad is the masculine waters, God's hamshacha, God, God reciprocating from above and showering us with love. And that's called the masculine waters that comes to meet our efforts. And now in the parentheses he says, in the brackets, that this great love is called kesef, it's called love, it says by Yaakov Avinu, when he was love on the complaints to him, why are you going? Why did you run away? You ran away from my house. He says, is it because you were now longing for your father's house? But the deeper meaning is longing, nichsay. But I think he also the reason he quotes this passage is lebeisavicha. This is your father pulling you. It's this Yaakov, you're homesick. But then there is also your father pulling you. That's your kesef. He's sending, it's Yitzchak sending out, sending out um, 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 signals to Yaakov's neshama to pull him back. Your father is pulling you. Or the second time he brings this, We know there was a time when you had um, a story in the Torah and where we have the, the silver goblet that Yosef takes and he puts it into Binyamin's sack. And he hides it in Binyamin's sack. So what does that mean? And then, then later, that's what he brings the brothers back. He accuses them as being a, a thief. What's the Gviyah Kesef? We know that Yosef and Binyamin are called Tzadik Elyon and Tzadik Tachton. What does that mean? Literally, that means Mashpia and Makaba. Yosef is the Hamshacha. Yosef is Yosod. And Yosod is the man. That is being mashpia, the masculine hamshach, the bonding from the mashpia, and then Binyamin is the tzaddik tachton, is also the yesod. Binyamin is also yesod, but Binyamin is the yesod of the makabel, of the recipient, of the woman. There's the yesod of the man and the yesod of the woman. The yesod of Yosef is the yesod of the man and the yesod of the woman. So in this case, what's happening over here is Yosef takes love, and he plants love into Binyamin. 
means, it means the Abishter, literally translated, it means Hashem enables us to love Him with His love. If we love God with our love, it's nice, but it's very, very, it's incomparable to His love. So how can you be in a relationship? Imagine this, imagine a, 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 a super giant uh, marries a tiny person. Right? It's a funny marriage, no? Kind of a little hard for them to like, uh, kind of live their life because he's a huge, big giant. and he's uh... So obviously, the Ebershter wants us to be able to love him in a way that is like real love. So he has to expand our love. He expands our love by taking a drop of his love to us and put it into our love. He spices up our love. And we get a godly injection and fusion. And suddenly we're loving him with his love. Wow. And that's expansive love. And then we match up with his love. And that's Yosef putting his cup, his kesef, his, his longing into Binyamin to enable Binyamin to love him with his love. Vizel Inyan, another time we have, Arba Meyoy Shekel Kesef. 400 silver coins that Avram gave to Ephraim. So the Zohar says, this is referring to 400 worlds of longing. The 400 worlds, almind Sufin, worlds of longing that Hashem is giving for the tzaddikim after Mashiach comes. But it says about those kesev, it says, over la socher. Over la socher simply means, you can, every merchant is going to accept it. Over la socher means it's, it's, it's good money. It's accepted by every merchant. It's like the dollar you can use everywhere, kind of, because it's a strong currency, as opposed to other types of, you know, Mexican pesos don't really get you too far anywhere. But the dollar kind of will, because it's an it's a, it's a, it's a international, uh, respectable uh, currency. Avram gave to Ephron over La Socha, really good coins. The deeper meaning is, that this kesef, this longing that we're talking about over here, is coming from a place so deep in God. Socher means a circle. Socher, socher means to go around. Over la socha means it transcends the circle. The circle is sovev kalam. There is the mamala kalam and light, the indwelling light. Then there is the circle around it, the sovev. Over la socha means it comes even from higher than the circle. It comes from God Himself. That love from the inner, innermost of God's heart of hearts is what He, from, the, from His deepest place, that's what He infuses into every single one of us. If we make the effort during davening to lift ourselves up, He will drop a tiny drop of that love into our soul. Almond Sufin. the the supernal delight. From the essence of the Oyrin Seif. It's higher even than the Makifim. This subject about the Eretz Canaan being the land of the merchant is discussed at length in the Mimer of Ayeshev Yaakov. Now we'll also understand. Oh, so what is this all explaining? I, I, that's what I was mentioned earlier. Even though the Alter Rebbe is just telling us a simple idea. I mean, <laughs> the Alter Rebbe would not have had. See, the Alter Rebbe had a brain, 
But besides a brain, the Alter Rebbe had a heart. He had such a fiery soul. We usually get lost in the Alter Rebbe's Chachma. But the Alter Rebbe is the, the power of the, of, the, of the emotion. Why? Because the Chayr, if you re- read the Mimer, you see the main thrust of the Mimer is to explain that in Eretz Canaan is where we do business, which means we take things from a state of Alma de Pruda, from a state of separation, and we make them into a state of Bittal. So that in it could have been said dryly. Every time you do a mitzvah, you take something. Or in davening, you submit yourself to serve Hashem. There you go. But the Altar doesn't suffice with that. He's explaining how this land, this Eretz, Canaan, is that you have a Meshicha, and then you have a Kesef, and you have a longing. In other words, this unification is not Stam. Hashem purchased something. It's deep love, deep desire, deep connection. Both on God's part and on our part. And now we also understand why the land is called the land that flows milk and honey. And this is also Ered Zavas the land that flows milk and money. Because this work of, 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 of what we do in the land, as we said before, giving pieces of the creation and giving them up to God, taking pieces of this world and surrendering them to, the, to Hashem, as we said earlier, is, is the, that's the void of Eretz. He said before, this elevation is so deep that it flows milk and honey. What does that mean? How did he explain the purchase happens? What was the whole idea? Why is it called a Kinyan? He says there's two stages. Stage number one is we elevate ourselves. Stage number two, Hashem matches our elevation and draws us in with His love. He says that's the idea of milk. What's the connection? What is milk? So milk is the same concept of kesef. What's the kesef? The kesef is God's love, which I said earlier is the chasadim. There's hamshachas chasadim. After, we said before, maya nukfin, feminine waters. Feminine waters is called gevurais. It's the gevurais. It's aliyah, elevation. We elevate through our gavuris, through our fiery desire to unify, and then that brings down God's hamshacha, which is called hamshacha sachasadim. Kesef is chesed. Zahav gold, one second. Zahav gold is fire, is on the left side. It says in the, in the Pasuk, mitzafan from the, to the north, gold comes from the north. Because north is the left, gavuris. Gold, gold has a fiery color, it's gavura. Kesef looks like water. It's, it's silver, watery color. It's on the right side. So the, God giving Kesef means God matching our love with a flow of chesed on his part as he showers us down. And, that's, and what does that do? That expands our love. Now that's milk. Milk is also white. And milk is also chasadim. It says that where does a mother get milk? When a mother is nursing, she stops menstruation. And it says what's really happening is that her blood of nida becomes chalav. Now blood is gavuris. The woman is full of gavuris. And she has long, and the gavuris help her long for her husband, the relationship. But once she has a baby, now she has to become a mother. Now she has to be a mashpia. Now she's no more a longer, she's no more just a makabel. Now she becomes, in the end of the Mimer, he talks about that, the, that the Mechabel becomes the Mashpia. Now she becomes a Chesed being. And that's her milk. 
and it actually comes from the blood itself, tam nechar becomes milk. Now she's a mother, she's full of chesed. But let's think, what does the chesed do? Just like we said the silver, what is the silver supposed to do? What I'm sorry, what is the kesef? What's the, the money, the, the silver that God is giving? What is it supposed to do? Kesef, it's supposed to expand our love. What does milk do? It expands what is already. The baby comes out, you have a full baby. Before it ever drank milk, you have a full baby. It's got every finger, little tiny, little cute little fingers, cute little toes. It's got the entire body. It's a little miniature human being, but very tiny. Then you, you ever see that? The mother has a baby. It happens to me all the time. It happens to everybody all the time. You see the mother, the first time she has a little baby, you go to the bris, the little thing. You meet the mother in the grocery store three months later, and this kid turned, turned into a giant. He's like three times his size. Really. Thank God we don't grow that way. We're just from a little milk. I went to the King James. Three months of England, the kid tripled his size. That's what milk does. Milk brings expansion. Makes something much larger than it is. And there's no period in a child's life that you grow, in a person's life, that you grow physically as much as the nursing period. Cholav is magdil. And that's exactly what we're learning now. In terms of our love, when God gives us His love, that's not creating anything new. Because we said before, God's love doesn't come to a person until you first produce your love. You have love that comes from your, but yours is miniature love. It's limited, it's finite, it's as big, it's, it's, it's all within the limitations of a human being's capacity. Then comes God's love, and it matches, and it descends upon your love, and what does it do? It expands your love infinitely. That's why Eretz Yisrael is called the land. The land of milk, because honey will see soon. But the Indian of Zavas Cholav means that in this Avoida of Birurim, this Avoida of Malchus, to be Mavarer Birurim, what, what does that mean? This Avoida, of, which is really our Avoida in this world, to take things that are ungodly and make them godly, beginning with our body, and beginning through what? How do we elevate things to Hashem through our love to God? This Oretz, this land, has within it milk, flows milk. That means in addition to what we give it, Suddenly the milk comes flowing and what happens that expands the love and elevates the nitzutz, the spark or whatever it is, so much higher than it was before. And honey is even deeper than that. Honey is the, is the symbol of oneg, of pleasure. Because honey has a sweetness, a certain, and when you add honey into things, it gives it tainog, it gives it, it gives it an oneg, a pleasure. And he explains that that's the next level of love. That's even higher than what we mentioned earlier. Because we spoke before, he's going to explain that in Avaraba, in great love itself, so first of all, there is human love. Human love, that's Meshicha. That's your pulling. You're elevating. You're doing Hagabah. In addition to that, God gives money. God reciprocates. That's called Avaraba, the great love. In the great love itself, there's two levels. There is great love and there's love of delight. Great love means you're yearning to God with a fiery love that, ha- that is boundless. You're loving, loving, loving. There's no end to it. That's how much, because you're possessed suddenly with a desire that is not even yours. You can't even, you can't define it. You can't, right? That's wonderful. But you're still wanting something. But then there's a level in where God has so, suddenly so permeated your soul that you're not wanting anything. You're just quelling. You're just in a state of ecstasy and bliss. You're just the one with Him. 
So that's called Ava Betanugim, love of the light. That's called the honey. And all that is available for a Jew who is living in the, in the land of Israel, meaning not physically in the land of Israel, who's living, does this avoda of birur, of birurim of the world, of elevating the world, who's engaged in this business transactions, in that land, in the Eretz avoda, there is zavas chalav, flows milk, which means God's assistance to expand our love, and devash, the ability to experience ava bitanugim, which is even higher than ava Avarava, or the second level of Avarava. That's what he explains over here. Expanding the Midas, just like milk. That causes growth, the limbs of the child. The great love, expands the Midas. Even though initially there was also some of the Mochen were shining in the Midos. The Midos were still very, very small. They were very... But when they're touched by a divine love, it grows and it expands with so much addition. But then there is honey. This is the pleasure and the delight. This is love of delight. Like it says, Then you will find pleasure with God. And that's why the land of Israel is also called the broad land. Because if it flows milk, milk and honey, what does that mean? That the ain't sof reveals himself over there. That in this avoda of converting something into godliness, you can reach a point where you convert so deeply that you're a vessel for the Ein Sof. That's what's called a land that's broad. Broad meaning it can hold the infinite. Um, like it says, without an end. However, there is one problem. In order to enable such love to reveal itself in this, in the Jew, in the Jews' avoid of converting himself to God, to allow the, the God's love, the highest chasadim to be revealed in Malchus, in our neshamas, which are part of Malchus, the love, this hamshacha has to come through Yesod. What's really happening, what he's really saying, Malchus is the source of all this... Ber- Malchus does, again, let, let's see, yeah, a little familiar, right? We have ten spheres. Malchus is the point of conversion. That's where business is taking place. Because we said earlier, higher than Malchus, it's only God. Lower than Malchus, outside of Malchus' realm is Klippa, unholiness. It's like there's not. We're talking about Malchus is where this work works, where something that is once part of the Klippa at least surrenders to Kedusha. Um, but in Malchus, what did we say? In this whole, in this whole, um, is revealed this powerful, this powerful love of God is channeled into the Malchus to allow this to happen. We said before. In other words, much more than what is necessary for basic conversion happens. We understand that. Again, let me explain this. Much more than what is necessary for basic conversion takes place over here. 
is that the Abishter God himself reveals his intense love into the Shechina, into Malchus, where this is happening. Where the Jew is, where the right? But in order for this should be in his galus of what he calls the higher supernal chasadim. And these chasadim come from the deepest place. As he said before, over la socher, it comes even higher than the Soviet Kalam. And God's essential love, in order for this to be revealed in the Malchus, it has to come through Yisod. Yisod is mashpia, all the lights in Malchus. But Yisod needs to have a bris milah first. Yisod is the mashpia, is the two Malchus. Malchus receives it. But Yisod is the mashpia. And Yisod, if, if Yisod has an orla, so what's the idea of Mila? The Mila is in the element of Yisod. Yisod we know is the procreative part of the human being. Okay? Right? The two, if you're physi- physiologically. Yisod is, so Yisod um, has an Arla. And when we do Bris Mila, what do we do? What's the idea of Mila? Mila means to reveal. Lehizgalos, to reveal. And you're taking away the skin that's blocking and you're revealing. So what does that mean? What is the deeper meaning of that? It says in the Arizal that Yisod is bonding. It's bonding. And when the Mashpia wants to bond, when the Mashpia wants to bond with the Mikabal, out of love, their bonding is going to happen through Yisod, through the, through the bonding. But the hamshacha that, he's, that, that the mashpia is giving is he's giving all of his love. He's giving his entire being in an intimacy. The, 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 the mashpia is giving who he is because he, he loves the recipient. He loves, in, in the case of, of his wife so much, he's giving him his essence. Thereby creating a child. He's giving its deepest love. In terms of God's relationship with us, God, as we're learning over here, God is giving His love, His mamish, His love. He's pouring His kesef, His chasadim, which is the hashpatim, two malchas. That's what mila is. Mila is to reveal the chasadim, to channel the chasadim down through yesod. The problem is that as long as arla is there, what is arla? Arla is klipot, is the klipot. God will never reveal such chasadim when klipa is there. Because if such deep energy is going to be revealed where klipa is, what's going to happen? Klipa is going to steal that incredible love. Imagine if the world of the unholy would get a hold of this deep love. There's so much corruption in love. Think about it. Think about all the corruption that there is in love. So much perversion of love. Imagine if they would get a taste of godly love and pervert that. Even without that, they've perverted, they've created a whole empire of perverted love in the world, full of lust and who knows what. The whole world is filled with, 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 with messed up love. Right? Imagine if they would have a taste of God's love. He says, he says, when we're loving God, Hashem gives us a little bit of His love into it. Imagine if Hollywood would get a hold of that love and what they would do with it. Uh, it would be horrible. So therefore, God says, I do not reveal this me love, the, the, the His galus. Now, this galus of this love, I don't reveal it unless you remove the Arla. 
means you take away the klipa, klipa can't be there. Then there can be his of this love, and the his is through the mila means mal to reveal the yud. The yud reveals itself. It's by when a person has a bris mila, so the bris mila there is the yud. But in addition to that, the idea is that this type of love is called a yud. Because what's yud? It's a very gavaldic important thing. Yud is the level that's higher than intellect, because hey is bina. Yud is still Chachma. And we know that Chachma is not really intellect. It's still beyond intellect. This love is the madness. God is mad about us. It's like a total craziness. His love to us goes beyond everything. That's the level of Yud. Ava, the, 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 the love of the Ebershter that transcends all Seichel. And what does that give a person? When we experience that love, we also go mad. We go berserk. This intense craziness of bonding between Jew and God... That's the idea of bris. Bris means covenant, bonding, attachment. God says, that's why the bris mila, the Rebbe explains, is done with a baby when he's eight days old, when there's no rationale, there's no logic, there's no thinking, there's no mind. It's just crazy love. I'm crazy about you. That inyan can only be after the klippa is removed. Klippa can't get a hold of that. So that's why the Jewish people can't get Eretz, they can't get the land of Israel until they first have a bris mila. Because again, Eretz is the Shechina, Malchus. Malchus can't receive it. She has to receive this love through Yesod. And Yesod can't give it until Yesod has a Mila. That's why the Jewish people, as a result of them doing the Bris Mila, then as a consequence of that, God gave them the land. Because Eretz Yisrael, by its very definition, needs to be a land where this, where this madness takes place, where this union takes place. But you need to first have the Bris happening first. Vinay. I'm shachas avad abazula mata to drink this down. Upchenas mitzvus mila upriya. His galus haatara, revealing the crown. Pchenas yud, which is at the yisod, which is uncovered when you do a bris. The yud is revealed. V'ayim bezayar pashas pinchas dafresh tezvava on the beis. V'ayim begeres hakodesh b'deramasal en yisrael negalim elo b'tzaka. Where the Alter Rebbe explains that as long as a person has tivus, the Alter Rebbe explains it spiritually as well. That this mad love that a person, just like he says, there is a physical arla, physical foreskin on the body, that it has to be removed, there's also a foreskin of the heart. And that, that is all the lusts, all the desires, all the tivus and wants that a person has cravings for worldly things. And they do not allow this deep, intense love, cr- mad love that the Neshama has for Hashem, which the Alter Rebbe explains, that's Moshiach. Moshiach is the revelation of this spark, of the Jew's madness to God. It can't reveal itself as long as a person still has desires for the world. That means you have to get rid of it. That's what he explains with it. Same idea. This can't reside where there is klipa. This has to be, it has to be cleaned out. Mashenkin Arla, which isn't the case of Arlu, Arla means that the chitzonim, the extraneous elements, are having a grasp over there. So this bechina, for it to be bekoach of every yid, nitna lavram was given to Avram, lachuzas olam. For a eternal um, um, inheritance, and this is the spiritual land of Canaan. First, a humbling, as we said before, a person elevates himself out of himself, devotes himself, gives himself over. Then the Eberster is Eretz Canaan, acquires the person. 
Kederach Atagar, like the businessman Kaniskel, as we said before. But in order to do that, a prerequisite, a precondition for that is you have to have Mila so you can have the land of Israel. But that's why Mila also can... We asked before, if we don't get the land of Israel these days, why should we have Bris Mila? And the answer is, spiritually, this avod is applicable today. You have the land. And the blessing of the land is also the spiritual land was given as an eternal inheritance. That we have. Physically, we don't have it. We'll take a little break. And then we'll learn Siv Beis. Um... I don't know if we're going to learn Sif Gimel today. Maybe we might leave a little part of this still for the next. Next week there won't be a class, as I will not be here. But as a Hashem, the week after that, in two weeks from now, uh, there will be a class. So now we're just going to take a little break here. Okay, shall we continue? Huh? Just one little Nakuda before we continue further. So I think what, 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 what the understanding over here is, because I, is that the Indian of why you need to have the land of Israel come in the schus of brismila. It's really the mimer is about benching. So in benching we say the birchas the second blessing albedischa about the bris. So we know that Eretz Yisrael was given in the schus of mila. So what does that mean? The, the, the Nakuda is that we're, being, we're, we're bringing down into Malchus, into the experience of Malchus, something very, very, very high, which is much higher than Malchus. It means in the simple words, when someone is doing the Avoida of Yehuda Tata, the lower Yehud, which is what Malchus is all about, it's the Avoida of simply living in this world and recognizing that God is the creator of this world and I'm submitting myself to serving Him. It's the onions at the bottom of the pot that we spoke earlier. It's, the, it's a low avoida. It's not a high avoida. Soon we're going to see Moshe Rabbeinu was way above the, such an avoida. This whole avoida of converting things from the non-godly to the godly means that you're in a non-godly state, that you can cross over outside of godliness. And that's where you are, and that's what you have to... In, it's also called bitul hayesh, not bitul b'metzis. The fact that in Yehuda Tata, which is called av which is the void of Eretz, of Malchus, of Eretz. And in Bittal Ayesh, you should be able to experience such deep love, such deep... Ava Betanugim. See, this is the Altar Rebbe, the Chiddush over here, that you can experience Ava Rabba, not just Ava Rabba, but even Ava Betanugim. In the Avodah of Yechudet Atah, this is all our Eretz. That is a Hamshacha into Malchus from something much higher than Malchus. Damshacha is being drawn. It's being drawn from above, above, above through Yisoid. And that's why you need to have bris mila to allow this to come into Malchus. Without this, Malchus can still be Malchus. 
And there can still be an avoid of bitl and Kabbalah's oil, but you wouldn't have the tainog, you wouldn't have the delight, you wouldn't have the ava betanugim. None of that would be taking place in it. And here it's shaykh that nishamis that are within the struggle of this world, that are not sadikim that live in a transcendental state, but are regular bainanim, people that struggle with everyday, with everyday in yanim, they too should be able to have the experience of ava and ava rabba and ava betanugim. That Indian is the Indian of Bris, which en- enables that we have Eretz Yisrael, which Eretz Yisrael is not Stam and Eretz. It's an Eretz Toiva Urachava. It's an Eretz Zavas Cholavidvash. I explained that that's Zavas Cholavidvash, the milk and the, and the Dvash, the Cholav and the Dvash, the milk and the honey, is the Avarabba and the Avabitanugim. Okay. Now, to understand Tamas Koras Bris Now we need to understand why do we mention Bris and Torah in the blessing of the land. Now, obviously, the Kasha is not on Bris. I'll be Pashtas. Because Bris, he just explained why it's mentioned. Because with the, the whole Eretz Yisrael was given and the merit of the Bris. But why do we also mention Torah at, in the second blessing of Bir Chasaretz? We say al in which we said earlier that if you do not mention bris and Torah, you're not yotze your chiv. So the his question is on Torah. I think, however, when you look in the middle of Rebbe, it's mashma that his question is on bris as well, because according to this, the bris was Eretz um, Yisrael um, was given to us in the schus of the mila. But which one is greater? Mila is greater than. Then um, Mila's in Yesoid and, and, and uh, Eretz Yisrael is Malchus. And Yesoid is much higher than Malchus. So it's, why would we mention Yesoid in Malchus instead of, he asked the question in the Mitla Rebbe, really by a bris you should mention that we have Eretz Yisrael. In the schus of the bris Mila we get Eretz Yisrael. Not when we're talking about Eretz Yisrael we should mention Mila. We should mention an Eretz, because the, this one is, the, 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 the bris is more important. And, that's a, a, the, and, and a derivative from that is you get Eretz. I, I, something like that he seems to be explaining the question. But Torah definitely, why do we have to mention Torah? How does that come in? In the Yom, as all the, the sages say, I'm going to give a little introduction. The avoid of Eretz, which is the avoid of converting the world into godliness, implies, as we said earlier, that a person is still part of the world. And uh, he's, uh, he's struggling with bitl. And we do an avoid of bitl. In order to be able to have this bitl, called the bitl of Yehuda Tata, of the lower Yehud, which, which can come afterwards with all the intense love and all the experiences that he mentioned earlier, Gavaldi. But in order to be able to be successful, that we should be able to have what's called bitl ayesh, a yid has to at least know bittel b'mitzias. A person has to know of the higher bittel. There is a much higher dimension called bittel b'mitzias and yichudi Allah and the higher yichud, the higher unification. Even though our space and our occupation and the consciousness in which we live most of the time is yichud atah, the lower yichud, if we're in a state of yichud. If we're not in a state of yichud, then we're in a state of klipa, then we're in an unholy state. If we're in the state of Yichud, we're in the state of Yichud the lower Yichud, not Yichud Allah. But yet, 
Yehuda Tata feeds off Yehuda Yilah. In other words, there has to be somewhere in a person's nefesh the recognition of the higher Yichud. And that empowers the lower Yichud. Because without having a kernel of Yichud Yilah, of the higher Yichud, of the higher truth, you could never even accomplish the lower Yichud. Kegavnin inun misyachten li'ela oif in order that there should be able to be letata down here ihu in malchus beraza de'echad in the secret of unity in the secret of, of oneness which is not the perfect oneness of, of atzilus and beyond where it's only mamash echad here it's beraza de'echad it's the secret of echad because soif kosoif you feel yourself but you're bottled Hashem but kigavna the inun, it has to be down here, similar to the higher yichud of yichud That's why he's going to explain in order to accomplish birchas aretz, the avoda of aretz, the avoda of which, which relates to eretz, which is the land of merchant, the, the land of business, the land. You need to mention bris and Torah because they connect yichud to yichud Torah is emanating from a higher yichud, from yichud And only through the avoid of limud Torah, of Torah study, and through the inyan of bris, this imbues and this connects the higher yichud with the lower yichud to allow for the, for the avoid of yichud Similar, I'll give you an example. Similar to the fact that when the Jews went into Eretz Yisrael, where was their main avoda in this work of malchus? Not when they were in the midbar. Their main work was when they were in Eretz Yisrael. When they were in Midbar, where were they? They were on a much higher level. That's why the Meraglim didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael, because they felt that it would be a Yerida. Because when they were in the Midbar, they were living in Yehudi Allah, in the higher union. And when they knew they were going into Eretz Yisrael, they had to deal with the world. Oh, but Saif Kul Saif, what did the Abishter do for them? The Abishter didn't bring them into Eretz Yisrael immediately from Egypt. First Hashem let them spend 40 years. Okay, even if not 40 years, He was going to have them spend a year at least eating man, being in this transcendental state, in the Yehudi Allah state. And then you can come to Yehudi Tata. Because we couldn't handle Yehudi Tata. You see, if we, would only, if we wouldn't have a taste of Yehudi Allah, of absolute truth, we could never be living in, we would be swallowed by the klipa of the world. The ability to be able to survive in a world, in a hostile world, in a world of a struggle, and stay in a state of yichud, requires us to first have the higher and deeper bitl. And that's the idea that yichud Allah has to always be nimshach in yichud and that's what he's going to explain the mentioning of bris and Torah in birkasa aretz, is to be mamshach from the higher yichud. In order to understand this, he's going to explain that the first blessing of benching which is Birches Hazan, is dealing with man. Money says, is much higher than everything we spoke about before. Because everything we spoke about before is the struggle of the Jew to elevate from the world into Elokos. Man is food from beyond creation. And when a Yid ate man, he was living in a different zone. He was living in Moshe Rabbeinu Zan. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't a good servant of God. Moshe was God himself. Moshe had no being. He was bottled to the Ebishter Legamri, Vanach And when Jews ate man, they ate Moshe's food. Because man came in the merit of Moshe. So they were living in Yehudi Allah. That's why, Taka, what happened? When they went out of, when they, when they left the Midbar, 
when they went into Eretz Yisrael, they stopped eating man. They started eating lechem min aretz instead of lechem min ashamayim. So this is the idea which we know all the time that in the Midbar the Yidin lived in Shemayim. When they came to Eretz Yisrael, they landed on earth. But they needed to be in Shemayim first. And they needed to eat man first. And the connection between the first bracha and the next bracha, the Birch Hazan and Birch Hazan is through Bris and Teira. That's why it's, it's mentioned like in the second bracha, but it's, it's, that's, what the, that's what it's doing. Bris and Teira is mamshich, the blessing of the man of Birch Hazan into Birch Hazan. That's the idea. In the blessings of the land, he's going to base it on that Chazal um, say that if someone doesn't say in Mairiv, when we dive in Mairiv, we say Shema, and after Shema, we say Hashem Elokechem Emes, and then we say Ve'emunah Kozos. So we have to we say two words together Emes Ve'emunah. So Chazal say that if you don't say emes v'amuna, you did not fulfill your obligation. What's emes and amuna? V'amuna kolzois. I'm just going to give a brief understanding. Emes is Yehudi Allah. It's the absolute truth. It's Moshe Rabbeinu's truth. Moshe emes. Moshe is true. That's the emes of, of Enoid Movade. There's nothing but the Abish to the absolute godly truth. This whole idea that there is a creation and that the creations have to be submitted to the Abish is already... A convolution, it's a convoluting of MS. It's not MS. It's MS to us, but not the MS Mitzad the Abishter. Mitzad the it can't be. There's nothing but him. So it's only because of a clouding. So Malchus is already not absolute MS. Malchus is called Emuna. That's her name. Why? Because Malchus is living in a state where, what? Malchus gives room that there should be something else. But even though Malchus is creating worlds, Malchus knows that it's not Emes. Malchus itself knows she's playing a game. She's making believe. She knows the Emes is the way it is above, but she herself is in the dark. Because if Malchus would have, if the Shekhinah, if Malchus would know the Emes, that it's absolute Enoid Movade, she couldn't possibly create the worlds. <laughs> what existing? She has to acknowledge, she has to leave room for something to exist. That means she has, so Malchus cannot have the same clarity like Chachma has. Chachma is the first of the ten spheres. In Chachma, it is pronounced Enoid Movada. It is nothing. Whoever is a resident of Chachma lives in absolute Bittl, Bittl Mimetzias. Moshe Rabbeinu, he, that's his address. That's where he lives. That's why Moshe is called Isha Elohim. He is a man over Malchus. Elohim is Malchus. He's above. He's way above the Shekhinah. He's Madregis and Chachma. He's Emes. Malchus has a munah that there's nothing but Hashem, but she doesn't feel it. She feels there's other mitzvahs. She creates other mitzvahs. There's, there's room for this emes, this absolute emes that hu levadehu ve'enzulasa is not felt in Malchus, only in a level of, of amuna. And those who derive their existence from Malchus, which is all of us, the Briam, Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, also acknowledge that God is the only reality, but it's not our emes. Our emes is I am. And for 15 minutes we were sitting over there eating sushi and everything else and declaring that I exist. Because if I wouldn't exist, why would I be eating sushi and, and all the other things over there? So pshat is the meaning. That, that even though we learned this, we still, we, still, we still, our MS, our truth, is still the reality of the world. We believe, we have a munah, we submit, we have haidah, modem anachdulach. 
That's why in the bracha of Aretz, which is the blessing of Malchus, Malchus consciousness, we don't say Baruch, we begin with Noidelecha. Noidelecha, I admit, I submit, because in the world of Malchus, we don't have the MS, we admit the MS. We know the Abish there is. Who will make dance by Hasanis? It's a chal, tzavalava, lemei, noid milvada, and then a minute later, we're by the Viennese table, by the Viennese table, fressing over the desserts. After Chetz Ketan says, the chal, tzavalava, ei noid milvada, nervous then. I admit that that's the Amos. Do I feel that that's the Amos? I don't feel that that's the Amos. Noide, I admit. Va'al hakol Hashem alokeinu anachnu moidim lach. That's also all part of that same bracha. Because the second bracha of Birches Ha'aretz is full of hoidah, of acknowledgement. In the first bracha, however, when you're eating man, you don't have to acknowledge. It's your reality. You're living in a world, but there's, but there's no world, only emes, only Abishtar. That's also the difference between bracha and hoidah. Bracha means when something is revealed to you. Bracha comes from Allah brecha. It's, 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 it's a flow so when the MS of Hashem is revealed to you, that's bracha. Hoida is when it's not revealed to you, it's outside of you, but you're submitting to it. That's when the beginning of davening, we begin with hoidul Hashem kiru b'shmoy. We begin with hoida, not with bracha. When do we get to baruch? When we get to shmoy Esrei, we've gone through already the four worlds. Asiya, Yitzira, Bria, we elevated our consciousness. Oh, now baruch atta havaya. Havaya reveals himself to us. I, if so, why do we say moidim again at the end? Because after everything we know, we realize that there is those levels that are beyond our knowledge. No matter, even though we do have a baruch, we have a, a hisgalas, in the end we reach again to a place of haidah, to something that is beyond. But that's a, so there's the haidah at the beginning, there's the bracha in the middle, and again haidah at the end. But what am I just emphasizing over here is that the bracha of hazan, since hazan is yehudilah, it's talking about the man, it's the bracha that Moshe Rabbeinu instituted. Over there, it's Baruch HaTashem. Baruch HaTashem, right? It's Baruch HaTashem. It's Baruch, it's, it's clear. There's nothing but God. When you get to the second bracha, you suddenly drop the million, a million, you plummeted a million, a million feet or a million miles down. And now you're in a world of Malchus. You're in the world of Eretz. You entered from Midbar into Eretz Yisrael. You went into land. You went into the land of Eretz. You dropped from Shemayim into Eretz. Where your Avoida is that you are a Metzius and you're going to submit yourself to Hashem. Oh, that's the whole purpose of creation. The purpose of creation was not that you should remain in Yehud Ilah. The purpose of creation is in Yehud Tata. So this is the Noideh and this is the Baruch. But, interesting, in the middle of Noidelecha, we say, Va'ala koi l'ashem elekeinu, anachnu moidem lach, u'mevarchem oisach, and u'mevarch. We mention bracha as well in the bracha of Haida. And that's what I mentioned right at the beginning. That in order for Yehud Tata to work, you have to draw a little bit of Yehud Ilah into Yehud Tata. There has to be some some, some bracha in it as well. You can't leave it. And that's why we mention bris and taira. Because that's what bris and taira do. They connect the Yehudi Allah to the Yehudi Tata. Because if you don't have, you want to just have 100% Yehudi, unadulterated Yehudi Tata without any Yehudi Allah, it's not going to stand. You're going to fall. 
You need to, just like even when we enter into Eretz Yisrael, and we work, we have Shabbos, we break. We go, once a week we go higher, we go into Yehudilah. We have Shemitah, a whole year, in which we go into Yehudilah. See, there's a constant, there has to be a balance, because we can't maintain. Yehudah Tatan is the h- hardest thing to maintain. To be a Metzius and be bottle, very hard. Because once you're a Metzius, it's very easy to become far, to be drawn into, into, into selfishness and into and pull away. So that's the gist of the next piece. So now let's see. So therefore we say, ML, so that's the idea. By night, and that's why, going back, that's why we say MS v'amuna. It's night. If it's nighttime, night represents what the avoida of Yehuda. Daytime represents Yehudah clarity. Nighttime is the moon, Yehudah, Malchus, Yehudah ta, ta. So we should only say v'amuna. We should only say v'amuna. Why do we say MS v'amuna? There's no MS at night. We don't have the clarity. It's there. It's only I submit, I acknowledge, but I don't have, I have Amuna, I don't have MS. The answer is, even at night, I need to be Mamshich, MS into the Amuna. That's the idea. Now, and another indication to this idea is we say, that all of this is Amuna, and then we say, Now, he emphasizes an interesting thing in regards to the diktuk. Kol zois is Lashen Nekeva. It's feminine. Ve'amuna kol zos. Now, Amuna, we know, faith is, is female, is feminine. Amuna kol zois makes sense. Zos instead of kol zeh. Ve'amuna kol zois, because we're dealing with Amuna, which is feminine. Kol zois is malchus. Feminine. But then we say, Ve'kayom aleinu. We should have said, Ve'kayemes aleinu. If it's feminine, Amuna, it should be Vikayemes, not Vikayam. Kayam is male, is, is masculine. Male, Lashen Sachar. So, Vabtchila calls us Lashen Nukva, Vachach, Vikayam, Alenu, Lashen Dachar. Acha Inyan, the idea is this idea, they have to mix a little male energy into the female uh, experience because if you leave the female only with the female, no male masculine light over there, it's not going to hold out. Acha Inyan, it says, in Imam Telechem Lechem in Ashamayim. Behold, I am going to make rain for you, bread from heaven. Uksevin, it says in other parts, that the bread comes from the earth. So where does bread come from? Heaven or earth? And their answer is, there's two types of bread. There's two types of bread, which means there's two types of hashpas that the Eberster gives us. The Eberster gives us a hash, lechem is sustenance. He, Hashem sustains us with two types of hashpas. Meaning he enables us to experience him in Lechem and Aretz as the Avoda of Malchus, of Bittel, Yehudatata, as the consciousness of Malchus. He can explain the two types of Lechem as two types of Chachma, two types of wisdom, two types of intelligence. There is worldly intelligence and godly intelligence. Worldly intelligence is also about God, but it's still worldly. What does that mean? It's how the world perceives that there is a God. And therefore, we have to submit to him. Godly intelligence is how God sees the MS, and that's absolute chachm. 
And these are the two lechems, which are lechem mon, is lechem in Hashemayim, is godly intelligence. And lechem in Aretz is earth intelligence, malchus intelligence. It's a much lower, inferior chachma. But one comes from the other. Um, and this is what it says, chachmois, there's two chachmois. Chachmois bechutz, chachma outside, taraina will sing. Beis mina chachmois, two levels of chachma. There is first the Chachmiyullah, the higher Chachmiyullah. This is an unknowable knowledge. It's a wisdom that only God has. It's unknown to anybody. Then there is the Chachma, the lower Chachma, meaning as the Abishter is Chachma, as Chachma invigorates Malchus, that Malchus also gets Chachma. What's the intelligence? That Malchus also knows the MS, that there's nothing but Hashem. But in a ready, much lower, convoluted way. It's much, much, much diminished than the Chachm as it is in it. Ki because his Malchus is in everything, and how does Hashem create the world with Chachma? So there's Chachma in Malchus. Ksiv, Shepchines Chachmi Elohu, and what does it mean? What are the two Chachmas? Shepchines Chachmi Elohu, Pchines Bittl Be'etzem. Chachmi Elohu is a much higher Bittl, essential Bittl. The Kula Kamei that everything before him is absolute nothing. And the lower chachmu, bitalayesh. Bitalayesh means I do feel, I don't feel kulakame, I don't feel that I'm nothing. I am. I'm surrendering myself. I'm not going to do what I want because I know that you're the power behind me. You're creating me. Vizau inyan, and these two inyanam of the two breads is also the idea of bracha vahayda. The higher bread is bracha. Bracha meaning that God. Is reveal is bracha means it's 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 draw, bracha means it's drawn down upon you, the ms from above is, is shining upon you that it's it's nimshach it's being nivrach it's flowing to you so you see the ms haydam means no it's not reaching you it's still up there but you are looking at it from up there and submitting to it. It's being nizgala to you completely. Kibrachu malashin brecha means malashin of a pool hamavreches agefen or you're drawing the the, the, the vine into the other vine. When I'm saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to argue with you, I, I agree that you know better. When do I say that? When I really, I really think it should be so and so, but you know what, you're the expert. So I don't understand. I don't see it the way you see it, but you're the expert, so we'll, go, we'll, go, we'll, we'll do it your way. Even though I don't understand. It's in front of him that's that is that is that is that is einoid malvadei v'loy niglo lamat. It's not revealed below. Like the Gemara says that chachamim amoydim to remeir she emes ito that the truth is with him. Afkan also too moydim anachnu she emes ito. The emes is the way God sees it. The kamei kula kula that before him everything is not. Ela she ein zemen aniglis lano levenayim. This is not revealed to us and to our children. That's the two dilshoynes. Emes means absolute truth, a level where it's clear. Amuna is where we have amuna that that's the way. Emes and amuna is the same idea as bracha vaida. Where there is bracha, there is emes. Where there is haida, there is amuna. Ki emes it's close. Shanira be'ena seichel, you see it with your eye, you can visualize it, of course, with the eye of your mind, that there's nothing but him. The amuna berachaik, when you're far, shemamin shekachu emes, you believe that this is the emes. 
This is also the difference between the two breads. Because bread from heaven, Nemar al was said about the man. Not only does the man come from Chachma, it comes from the source of Chachma. It comes from where Chachma comes from. It comes from Chachma Shebekeser. There's Chachma Natsilis, and then there's Chachma Shebekeser, which is called Moyach Stima, the concealed Chachma. So we understand that the level of Bittel that's on that level is, like you say, wow. It's, it's, not, it's not understandable. Chachma is bottled completely. Chachma in its source, the MS of Elokus of Einoid Movadoi is to the fullest, fullest amount. And that's where man comes from. Tchsiv, as it says, how do you know it comes from that place? It says in the Pasuk, that the man would come down together with the dew. The man would come down. And it says something else. So we'll see in a minute. Hold the, so man is shayach tatal. And another thing, it says, its appearance, its color, was the color of crystal. So he's going to put these two things together, tal and bedoilach. What's tal and bedoilach? So the Zohar talks about a level called tala de bedulcha, the dew of the crystal dew, which in Zohar is a reference to, to moyach stima. Moyach stima is called the crystal dew, and which has inside of it, invested in it, Crystal, it's interesting, it says there's a little redness in it. I don't know where you see redness in crystal, but Bedoilach has some kind of a redness in it. Maybe, yeah, it's a little, a little, a little, a little, a little red, which in Shoresh it means, it says that the Hegevuris of Atik Yomin are enclosed in Moyach Stima. So from Mitzvah Mitzvah, the Hegevura is from Atik Yomin, that's a little redness. But Al Kapanam, what do you see? Not even Chachmastima. The source of Chachmastima. Even higher than Chachmastima. That's, that's than the hidden Chachma. The Zoyar refers to Man, the intelligent food. But it doesn't mean it's intelligent food. It means food that feeds intelligence. It creates intelligence. It's the source of intelligence. It's the source of Chachma. This is what creates, what brings about Chachmila. And that's also a reason why the man could not last in this world more than a day. Every day it needed to be it needed to it needed to be renewed again. They couldn't leave from one day to the next day. And after every day, why? Because this place is higher than time, completely higher than time. Because the Shairish of time is from the Midos. And Midos come from the Mochen. So in a sense you can say that even in the Mochen there's already the kernel of time. But this is even beyond the Mochen. It's beyond Chachma. So it's beyond any Shaykhis whatsoever to time. So how does it enter into time and space? Every day it needed to... And this is where time is created. Time emerges from here. This is beyond time. So that's why it, it needed to... It, every day it came into time. In other words, it came, it created the day. And then it's not there anymore. It comes from higher than time. And the source from where time comes, comes from it. And therefore another interesting idea about the man. The reason why the man, there was nothing of the man that went out. There was no waste. 
And that's why from the mom they didn't have to go to the bathroom. I, the Mishnah, I, the Pasuk says that they should have a special tool, an instrument to cover up if they went out to the bathroom. So why do they need that? It's a Pasuk in Pashas Kisait, you should have a special shovel that uh, they didn't have any flushing toilets then. So they, you needed to have a special tool so they can cover up if they went to the... So, they ate man, there's no bathroom. And the answer is because they would, the people, they would go to the canteen. The, the Goyim would come and sell them food. They weren't happy with the man because the man had a problem. The man was, 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 even though it had every taste, but it didn't have the crunch. You know, they, they were craving the crunch. They were craving the crunch. They were craving the, the food that looks like this or looks like that. So they went to buy from the, uh, from the Goyim that would come and sell them hachamalis or whatever else. They would uh, come out and sell them over there. And therefore, um, the 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 and that for that food they went to they went but from the man there was no waste. What the nation sell them? and the reason is very simple. Why is there waste? The whole idea of waste when you're eating is indicative of the idea of you doing a birur. You're taking out the good from the bad. And the bad goes waste, and the good is the body absorbs nutrition, vitamins, and whatever. That's good for the body. That's only shayach in things that come, that are in this world, that are here from the collapsed vessels, from Shvira Sakelem. Shvira Sakelem come from Olam Ha Toyo. The Shorish of the Man is from a place higher than the world of Toyo. It's pure lo- See, what's Toyo? Let's explain something. Tikkun is a place where there's a lot of vessels, there are in it. We're holding a we have aminot, aminot, yasi. Tikkun, you're thinking when I'm going to let you go. Uh, Tikkun is a place where there is a lot of vessels, right? I'm going to test you soon. Uh, Tikkun is a place where there's a lot of vessels and a little bit light. The light is very diminished. Toyo is a place, there's oiris merubim, a lot of light, and too much light and, 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 and few vessels. But there is vessels, that's why the Shvira Sakim. Mun comes from a level so sublime, it's pure light, there's no vessels at all yet. So there's no Shvira Sakelem. It's higher than Tayu and higher than Tikkun. And therefore there's no Birurim to make of it. There's no Ra to separate good from bad. It's pure God. That's why it's pure Yehudilah. There's nothing there at all. No Kalim. It's pure emanation of Ein Sof. Nothing there but Him. When you ate that, it brought you into that consciousness. Okay. Um, dismissed if you need to go v'hainal v'yishe shayde shabirunum mebchinaz ve'ela amalachim shanaflu b'shvira that fell in the shvira mebchinaz toyu from the world of toyu masha enkin shayre shaman l'mayla mebchinaz toyu it's higher than toyu v'hoi hoya b'hoi p'soylis klal didn't have any p'soylis no, no, no residue no leftover v'hain v'hine l'chain omar azalm that's why the sages also tell us mon yarad b'schus Moshe that man now he's going to give us a whole long eulogy on Moshe who Moshe is in the schus, man came in the merit of Moshe. Kishayrish Moshe, who gam came ibchenazu. Moshe also comes from a place that's beyond Kalim, beyond vessels. How do you know Moshe comes from a place where it's beyond Kalim? Moshe says, I can't talk. What, what is vessels? Words are vessels, containers. Moshe kvat pek, kvat loshen. He couldn't come into words. He couldn't express. Because Moshe is from the essential. Remember, we said before this two chachmas. This chachma, chachmi Allah, the higher chachma. Chachmetata of Malchus. Chachmetata of Malchus is um, the mashal that's given in Hasidus. 
is the marshal of a person explaining an idea. When you, once you put an idea into words and you explain it, you're already watering it down tremendously from the idea in its pure. It says only a tenth of the, of the, of the, of the seichel is able to come down into dibur. So, um, but Moshe Rabbeinu, he's beyond it. His bittel is so much deeper. I am the essence of ma. Of what? And this is also the reason in which, when it, this week in the parish it says, Hashem says, I gave you to eat the man. That your fathers don't know. What does it mean that your fathers don't know? Who are your fathers? Who are the Jews' fathers? Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. They're our fathers. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are chesed, gevura, and teferis. That's already oiroiz be kalim. It's light in vessels. And even the shayrish, and even the shayrish of the ovois is the chesed, gevura, teferis of arech. Which that too, the man is the Shoresh in Moyach Stima, which is much higher, even than your fathers can ha- possibly know, than the Midas of Atzilas can't even know it. It's so deep and it's so high, it's the deepest elements of Keser, that even your father, is the Shoresh of the Aves is not from that place. Lo Yadon Avesecha, your fathers don't even know. Hemchenas Hishtalshalos, because they're already part of the Hishtalshalos. Hishtalshalos is where the lights go into containers. He's higher than this whole system. Like it says also, that I'm revealing it to you, Moshe, but to them, they don't know Avaya. They don't know order that's higher than vessels. Only you. And that's why Moshe was also difficult of speech. This level where Moshe's Nisham is rooted, which is the supernal Chachma, is hidden from the eyes of everybody. It cannot be expressed. It can't be sheared. And Moshe says, you're expecting me to talk? I can't talk. I don't have a mouth. It cannot come in any gilu. You can't reveal it. You can't communicate it. This is Gavaldik B'Shlichas Hashem. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu also refused God when God sent him. And Moshe said, Who am I that I should go to Paroi? And will I take the Jewish people out of Egypt? Even though Hashem said to him, When you come out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. Shehi Kabbalah Satayra, which is the Kabbalah Satayra. Im kolzeh omar achakach. So the shouldn't Moshe Rabbeinu be accept? Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, who am I to go? And he doesn't want to go. But Hashem told him, you're going to take the Jewish people out, and they're going to serve God on this mountain, which means that through you I'm going to give the Torah. So shouldn't that have excited Moshe, and still he refused to go? How can Moshe Rabbeinu hear that the Torah is being given, and he still doesn't want to go? And the answer is, Moshe's level is much higher than Torah. He's higher than the Torah as well. Much higher than the Torah. Because the Torah only emerges from Chachma. Torah me Chachma nafkis. It goes out from. It's the expressed Chachma. It's Chachma bitl, the MS of God. 
as it's, be, as it's, as it's expressible. Moshe Rabbeinu himself is from the innermost of Chachman, deeper. He's from the source of Chachman. It's the MS, quintessential MS of Hashem that doesn't have any words, can't be said. He said, which we know Chazal say, what does it mean, Kvad Peh? I'm beyond Torah Shabbat Peh, or Kvad Lashon, I'm beyond Torah Shabbat Even the written Torah, I'm higher than words. He was higher than the Torah. The Torah comes from Chachma, and Moshe is, it only emerges from Chachma. But Chachma is higher than it, and Moshe is of Chachma, and even beyond Chachma. And this idea that Moshe comes from beyond Chachma, and higher than Torah, is also illustrated. Moshe's neshama came from the water. Why is he called Moshe? She pulled him out of the water. Mayim is Yam HaChachma. That's the ocean of Bittal. It's the ocean of Bittal. Torah also comes from there. But Torah is only a little pale. Pale, pale. little bucket. One little pale. Like it says by Rivka, Vatamar Kada, she went down and she lowered her Kad. Kad is a little jug. To, to pale, to take out water. And Kad, is, is, is the Zohar says, is 24... Those are the 24 books of the Torah, which is a little pailful, a little bucket from the ocean of Chachma. The ocean of Bittel gives you a little bucket and that comes into the Torah, but the rest, vast Bittel, Torah can't express it. Moshe Rabbeinu comes from there. He can't even give us the Torah. So how then does Moshe give the Torah if he can't? Hashem says to him, Anochi eya impicha. I will be with your mouth. What does that mean? I, the quintessential me, I can do whatever I want. So I can take that which is unexpressible and non-communable, not communicatable, that which you can't communicate, you're right, your bittal is so deep, you can't think, and I will make that you should be able to communicate. You're right. Me some pele adam, Adam, man, which is really, Adam means, he says, mem hey. What's Adam? Aleph, Dalet, Mem, which is gematria, ma. Aleph, Dalet, Mem is mem hey. So, the Ebishta says, mi sam pele Adam. Adam, the level of ma that you represent, really doesn't have a pair. It can't speak. You realize the moment you speak, you're already a somebody. You're saying something. If you're so butter like Moshe, you're mute. When a person is in a state of absolute bittal, they don't say a thing. If you're talking, it means you're, you feel you're somebody. You're a little bit something to give, to say. And therefore, ma can't have a mouth. But you know what? I can do the impossible. I can let you talk and still remain an absolute non-entity even while you're talking. So when Moshe spoke in the end, he didn't diminish the bittal. The bittal was there all the way, even though it was impossible. When Moshe spoke all of his life, it was impossible speech. Because that kind of talk, to be able to talk and you're not there, so who's talking? Ah, God is talking through you. There's no Moshe there. Moshe was actually afraid that if he's going to talk, he's going to lose. It says that there is, a, there is an expression that when a keli is in the middle of absorbing, it can't spit out. Which really means that when you're holding a middle absorbing, you can't keep, when you're holding a middle receiving, you can't give. In order to be able to give and teach, you have to stop receiving and then you can give. So Moshe was afraid that he's going to stop receiving the absolute MS of God 
in order to teach. God says to him, no, 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 no. As you are in a state of bitl, you're going to be able to teach. But all this is just trying to illustrate one thing. How man, which is Moshe Rabbeinu's food, and Kambis Chosmoisha, is this very, very sublime level of bitl, much higher than the bitl of Aretz, which we spoke about earlier, where the whole whole Tata, the bitl of the worlds take place, all of that, even with all that great love and all that we spoke about earlier, it's not like the Birchus Hazan, because over there it's just bitl b'metziyah's legamri. There's nobody loving, there's nobody, there's, no, there's nobody there, no one home, it's only God. She put him out of the water. Is only a little jug. And this is why God answers him. Who has given a mouth to a person? By the order of evolving light, you're right. There can't be a mouth for Adam. Shame ma, bitl Shame ma, absolute bitl. There is no giloi. Through the revelation of I myself, when God when God came down, there could be a mouth and a revelation to Adam. Shema for the name of man. Similar to what it says, my words that I'm putting into your mouth, it's not your words, it's my words. That I am speaking. But that's a miracle. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu gave them this blessing. When the man came down. The question is, if they have money ready, why do they have to make the blessing? What's the point of the blessing? Man is coming. And the answer is, even man, <laughs> even man, even this very, very high sublime level man, compared to Anochi, to God's, who, who God really is, that too is a Yerida. Any type of an expression, any type of emanation, Tashem himself is, so that too has to be generated. When we make the, when the Yidden would bench, and everything is about the Jewish people. So when Jews generated, you didn't create the man. You didn't have to, when they benched and they said, Birchus Hazan, they inspired the Abishter to make man. Even man also needs to be inspired and made. God is above. Even from the crystal tal, the crystal dew. Where man comes from. Even from that, God is higher. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu was Mesakin Abracha. Shatikin Baruch. Baruch means let it, let it be, let it flow, let it be revealed. Because in order to create man from, the, from beyond man, from God Himself, it has to come through a Havaya, through a Yud. Because every Hamshacha has to come through a Yud, K, Vav, K. This is a very sublime Yud Kevavke. But yet there has to be a Yud, a Tzimtzum, and Amshach. L'chein kol bracha rishayin. And then he, to, in order to, this, to, 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 hit, to bring home this idea, to, that what? That the first blessing of Birchus Azan is on the highest, highest level of Amshach. The deepest, it's Moshe Rabbeinu's bittel that Moshe is sharing with the Jewish people. It's the deepest. So we're dealing with levels of the divinity that are so high, so sublime. That's why you can't refer to God in that 
in, in that whole bracha in, in, in direct, as if you're speaking to him, you have to speak to, about Hashem as if he's a, a, hidden, a, his, a hidden mystery. Because the whole thing is so mysterious. That's why you say, Hazan Esa Olam. He, Baruch Hashem, Hazan Esa Olam, He who nurtures the world. Bechein, Bechesim. Who knows saying he gives? We don't say Atta knows saying you give. Because this is too high that we should refer to it directly. It's someone we don't know. We see it's interesting. In the second bracha, we change. No delcha, Hashem lakeinu. Anachnu modim lach. Suddenly we're talking to Hashem directly. What, how did God get it? How did God become so personable in the second bracha? And in the first bracha, we're speaking about him as if he's not here. And the answer is the first bracha is on a level so sublime that we're talking about something that we can't, we can't, we can't address directly. He gives bread. We don't know who. Me. It's beyond the entire Ishtalshulis, the whole order of. And we're trying to bring about the man. Which is through the Yidden. What's gavaldig over here is that the ones who generate all of this is Yidden. Ultimately, Moshe is so high and the man is so. But who? What's the reason why there is man in the first place? Is because there's Yidden. Yidden arose in Hashem's thoughts before anything. And the second bracha is Birchas Aretz. What's the Lechem in Aretz? The lower Chachma. The Avoda of nullifying the Yesh. You have already heavenly hosts. You have something that's nullifying it. Much lower than Man, where there's nothing but this total bittel. That's why over here we're first admitting, because over here is a place of darkness. In order there should be able to be yesh, there has to be darkness. We can admit. And we speak also directly, because we're dealing with much lower levels of godliness manifesting in these realms. But we do conclude with a baruch. Why we? That's a, remember we said they asked the question. Why do we come with Baruch if the second bracha Noida uh, is the world of Bitalayash where there's only submission, there's only Haida? So how do you have bracha, which means revelation? There's no revelation here. Because this hamshacha of Bitalayash, who mipchinas Bittel beetz, and this is what I began the whole thing with, that the, in order to have the lower Bittel, it's drawn from the higher Bittel, Yehudilah from the higher Yehud. That's why you integrate in Aretz also Baruch. You don't only say Noideh. And who does this? Yidin do it. Yidin bring from Yehudi Allah to Yehudi Tata. That's why Chazal say, Whoever doesn't say Bris and Torah. In Birchis Aretz. Why? Because Yehudi Tata has to derive from Yehudi Allah, from the higher Yehud. And bris and Torah are the channels to connect the two. Sham shachas yichud malchus, the lower yichud, which is malchus, who al yedei is through za umidais tatsilas, za and midais tatsilas. Hanikra that are called bris v'tayra, because Torah is teferes and bris is yisod. So in order to be mamshich from chachme ilah from the higher yichud into chachma tata into malchus. The only and, and Malchus needs it in order to be able to be sustained. 
it requires dimension, bris and taira, which bris and taira are teferes and yesod, which enable this samshacha. Because the midas of atzilis also have bitl. They don't have the same level of bitl as chachma, but they have a serious bitl. They're influenced by chachma. And in some sense, you can call them also Yechud Allah, the higher Yechud. Because the Yechud permeates the entire world of Atzilas until Malchus. Malchus has a much lower Yechud. Yechud Tata, the lower Yechud. That enables that there should be a Bitlayesh in Malchus. Whoever didn't say did not fulfill his obligation. Because if not for bris and Torah, you could not reach and have bread from the earth. The bitlayash. might as well finish. I was going to give up over here and I didn't really learn the last piece but I learned it very briefly. Uh, let's just finish up because I don't want to leave a piece of the Maira unlearned and I know that in two weeks from now I'm definitely not going to learn it. to understand. We say, it's going to take us another 15 minutes, okay? So bear with me. It says, to understand. We say, Remember I asked a question that seems to be like extra? Your covenant that you have sealed in our flesh. It's implying that there are two things. There's brischa and shechasamta. As if there is God's covenant as one level, and then there is chasamta. There's two levels in bris. There's brischa and shechasamta that you've sealed in us. That what you've sealed in us is not what is not brischa. And Torah is the same thing. There is Torah, your Torah, Shalimah de that you taught us. As I'll say, it says in the Pasuk, circumcise, you should circumcise. So Chazal say, Mishu, that a guy cannot be a Mohel. People say sometimes, instead of Hamalach Hagoel, there is a the guy used to say, Hagalach Hamohel. He, he, by mistake, in his. In his uh, is, and he, he wasn't careful with his dict, with his words. He would say, a galach ha-moyl, instead of a malach ha-goyl. But that's a big problem. The galach can't be a mohel. Because the galach, the priest, is a Gentile. And he can't be a mohel. He can't be a mohel. Why? Because the Allah is, because it says, himal yimoyl, which learns out from here. A person that has a bris can give a bris. A person who doesn't have a bris cannot give a bris. So therefore a Gentile who doesn't have a bris, and even if an Arab Gentile who did get a bris, and today in America most people, most babies get a circumcision, it's not called a real bris. Because sages say that a non-Jew, even when he's circumcised, is considered uncircumcised. And a Jew, even when he's not circumcised, is considered circumcised. That's what the Talmud tells us. But Al-Kopanim, it's Himal Yimo. So the question is, how can Sephora, the mother of Moshe Rabbeinu's wife, have done the circumcision for the children? A lady can do a bris, even though she's not circumcised. And the Gemara says, although a woman, even though she technically didn't have a bris, she's, all women are considered circumcised. Uh, a woman is kosher. The woman is as if she had a bris. You can say she's not in the parsha. It's, uh, uh, 
What does it mean? So obviously we're talking about spiritually. I don't know what he means. I don't know what this is. The idea is Malchus, which is the lower Yichud. She is called the woman that fears God. So she's the woman. She's the recipient. So when we say a woman, as it's as if she has a bris, it's referring to Malchus, the woman. She as if she has a bris. Why? The real bris is in Yesod. And the man, higher than Malchus. It says, because what's a bris? A bris is a signature. It's God's signature. When you take a signature and you put it onto a stamp and you stamp something else, that thing also becomes stamped. So when Malchus becomes stamped with Yesod, the signature of Malchus, the Yud that's in Yesod, gets imprinted in Malchus too. And that's why she's as if she has her bris. That's the idea. And then she can take this and pass it on to the lower worlds. In other words, the recipients of Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya receive everything from Malchus. But if Malchus doesn't have a bris, how do they have the covenant? And the answer is, she receives it from higher and she passes it on to them. It says in the Pasuk, Shemesh umagen avaya lokim. That Hashem elokim, which is, which is um, the higher sephiros are called Havaya, and Malchus is called Elokim, are compared to the sun and the moon. Now, is the moon a recipient or is the moon or is the moon an influencer? Which one is the moon? A makabel or a mashpia? Yeah, but the truth is, she's both. The moon is both. She receives the light of the sun, and then she shines it on the earth. So she's also a mashpia. It's like every teacher, every student. Students go to school, they are recipients, and then they grow up a little older, or whatever, and they become teachers. Malchus is the same thing. Um, it becomes a shield, a makabel and a recipient. It's a recipient. Compared to the mashpia, the man, even though to Havaya, who is a recipient, she becomes a male to be mashpia. So the female becomes a male because now she's mashpia. But which one is higher? Her female side or her male side? Her female. Because her female is first she receives from up. That's her fem- female side. Then she turns around to become a male. To give lower. So her female is a higher level than her male side. Lashpia lamata ma'ashekiba what she received. That's really what a melech is. Think about it. The melech didn't, didn't, didn't work a day in his life. How does the king support him? All the people have to give him taxes. All their money that they earn goes to him. So he's a makabal, he's a recipient. But then what does he do with all the money? He takes care of them. He's a mashpia. But first he's a makabal. V'zau emes ve'emuna kol How does that work? 
Oh, there is MS, there is truth. That's Chachma, truth. Malchus is Ve'amunah Kalzol. She receives all of this. She's Amunah, she's receiving. But then what happens? V'kayom Aleinu. She establishes that upon us. And it says in the Belushan masculine. Hold it. How did V'amunah, which is Malchus, become male? V'kayom. It should say V'kayemes Aleinu. And the answer is, first she's Amunah, then to the lower creations, she is V'kayom Aleinu. She's a man upon us. Which means, to the She's a male and a mashpia. And these are the two brisim. There is a bris in the male and a bris in the female. Every hashpa is through this covenant, through this bond. Brischa, your bris, I know bris shalamayla ba'atzilus, is the bris of atzilus. Lius b'chinas yichud etalach, chachmet atah b'chinas malchus. We said, what is, the, what is the bris of Yesod? It's being mashpia into malchus. Chachma, it's mashpia bitl into malchus. It keeps malchus in check. If, if Yesod, if the higher spheres would not be giving malchus life the whole time and keeping malchus bitl imbuing intelligence into Malchus, Malchus might drift away and the world might become so disconnected from its purpose and its source. It's unbelievable. So constantly the higher spheres have to imbue in the Shekhinah into Malchus light. That's bris of Yesod giving into Malchus. But then bris chashachasam tov, you sealed it in our body. That's that signature, that signet of, Mal, of Yesod being imprinted, now Malchus receives that bris, receives that bittle, and that becomes her bris, even though technically she doesn't have a bris, but she received the bris because she had a hamshacha from someone who had a bris. So now she has that bris, meaning that bittle, and now she passes it on to her family, which are her children, which is Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, who bris the nukva, that's the bris of the female. Because in order that the hamshacha should should come down in biya, why they bris the nukva is through the bris of nukva. I am the paradise erech bris. This is the idea. and the same is also in Torah. There's two levels of Torah. Teferes who pchenas tayrascha your Torah is Torah of atzilus. that you've taught us who pchenas a Torah de biya. Is the Torah of Bria Yetzir and Asiya. Shu'ubchenas Malchus, which is Malchus, a lower Torah, Kineskaliel. Similar to Torah Shabal Peh, compared to Torah Shabiksav. Vinekol, Analu, Besheshes, Yemea Maisa. All of this is during the weekday. Kachu Amida, Vesedir, Ishtalshlis, this is the order. Momaila, Lamata, from up down. Shemelechem, Ashemayim, first is Hazanes Olam, Lechem, and Ashemayim. Pchenes Chachmilah, which is the higher Chachmah, there's Mon. The Yehudi Allah and the higher unity. Nimshachli is Chachmet Tata, it becomes Lechem in Aretz, from the lower bread. Like we said earlier, first you're in the Midbar, you eat Man. Then you go into Eretz Yisrael and you eat the lower bread, the lower intelligence, the Bitl. The Yehudi Tata, Lechem in Aretz Canal. And how do you connect the two? Through Bris and Torah. Vainai de Bris Vitorah, Midais Tatzilas, Yom Rishon Chesed. Okay? Mashen Kin Shabbos. When Malchus is elevated and the worlds go up, 
It's a day of resting. Like a person, when he relaxes and all his energies retract back into him, guess what happens? The lower bread and the higher bread even out. The lower chachma and the higher chachma become equal. That's why on Shabbos you have lechem mishnah, two breads. You ever thought about that? The two breads of the challah? One of them is man, and one of them is the lower. One is bread from heaven, the other is bread from earth, but both of them are equal. Lechem mishnah, two chalas. Because on Shabbos, since everything retracts back into its source, the whole hishtalshalis, the whole order of things evolving, first in the higher yichud, then the lower, the lower yichud is then out. Simply it means that we who live in Bittal Tata, in Yehudi Allah, in Aretz, can experience Yehudi Allah on Shabbos. We're, we're on the same level of Atzilas. Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya can experience Atzilas consciousness. There's no Lechem in Hashemayim, Lechem in Aretz. In a base, Melach Mesharim, Kavazetin, and Lechem Mishnah Shabbos Shabbos, Vegamzau, and Lechem Haponim. There's no back, there's only face. Acharayim means. Yehudu Tata is called the backside. That's why when you pick up Shabbos, you're supposed to connect the two breads, hold them together, the two chalas. Habaisa zelazeh, achareya mabaisa. Ah, I never knew that. When you take the chalas on Shabbos, you're supposed to take the back, the bottom of the chala, and both of them and connect them together so you have. Uh, their face should be to the outside, the outside of the chalam. It should all be face. They become one. Because even according to the Arizal, you're supposed to have 12 chalas. Which corresponds to the lechem upon him. Mainly it's two chalas. You put them one next to each other. Their face should be outside. Only there's only panemius, there's no acharayim. Meaning on Shabbos, you're beyond the avoid of Yehuda Tata. The entire Yehuda Tata is elevated in Yehuda Yilah. Like we say, Kegavnon the Inan Misyachtan Le'Ela Beyachad. And Yehudah Tata is elevated into Yehudah Allah. And we physical human beings are living in the same spiritual light like in heaven. And it's Gavaldig and we're all in heaven. And Allah Gutazachin. And most of the Mimer I don't understand. But the Ebersh Tavat Helfen that somehow maybe someone who's listening to it will understand it. Okay. Everybody be well.